This is the MLW Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho off the Top Roast Podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry, then look no further than here, OTTR Headquarters. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and whatever it is you get your podcast from with our, with our latest Last Week of Wrestling, After Darts, Under Boss's Hard Taste, and now our new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Area, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. Blackheart out. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and... What's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go we... way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. 
and most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> it is another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland, soon to be joined by my brother from another mother, a man from Canada, Mr. Christopher Butt. So many things we're going to be talking about on today's episode. We're going to be going over the card of Impact Wrestling's Under Siege, incredible pay-per-view. They continue to put on some banger pay-per-views. Uh, the butt's going to weigh in on his thoughts on that pay-per-view as well. NXT Battleground, we're going to talk about that as well. A lot of people were saying of the three pay-per-views, that might have been the favorite of the weekend. We'll talk about that as well. And obviously, the big AEW double or nothing, which emanated from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. What happened? There's a lot of surprising things that happened and uh, would love to share our sentiments on the pay-per-view as well. All of that and so much more we're going to get into But let me first, once again, introduce my brother from another mother, the man from Canada, the man that says, you know what, don't be a scuzzball. You know what, his name is Christopher Butt. Christopher, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, Another day, another dollar, a little bit of time in the shop before we came on, like I was saying before we came on the air, uh, the city of Kingston did a little bit of... A little bit of yard work for me. I guess you want to call it a little bit of landscaping. I was going to say, when we, when, we say, when we say yard work, uh, we mean that very facetiously, correct? Yes. It's a, it's a trench up the middle of my front yard, about four foot wide, five foot wide, I guess. Oh, four my Four foot God. deep. Yeah. Well, I got so, a little bit of work ahead of me. So what exactly was the reasoning behind that? Uh, again, natural gas run to my house for my okay. new furnace and air conditioner. The the, the pipes an inch, man. Like it's it's one inch pipe. A one inch pipe and that kind of a gash. Wow, yep. wow. A little excessive. It is. Uh, it, it is what it is. Well, you we'll know, there's, out. there's certain things that you just have to say, like you said, it is what it is. Uh, they're flipping the bill. But you're tearing up my front yard, so hopefully they're going to replace that and clean that up as much as possible, correct? No? They do a little little bit. I have a buddy with landscaping business. Nice. So I'll get him to drop off his bobcat, and I'll do it myself on Friday, probably. Wow. You know what? We we were talking about this before we we went on the air, and it's like you have gone through so many different things uh, house-related. And I know every time I bring this up, I I say to myself, you are literally pulling the scab off a wound that's trying to heal Mike. Shut your mouth. But man, um, hopefully this is this is gonna quiet down after this. It has to because I'm broke. <laughs> I can't afford to fix nothing else or build nothing or broken mm-hmm. shit. So. Oh my Well, okay, talk about that. You know what? Let's crack open a nice one. Uh what what do you what's your drink of choice tonight? Uh tonight I'm drinking moosehead chalada. It's beer. It's a lime and salt. Yeah, it's it's good beer. Nice. As you know, I'm more of a whiskey bourbon guy, but I said to buy a case of beer. You know, sometimes you got to expand your horizons. Sometimes your taste buds need to to try different things. I am, once again, sticking with uh, 
the Red Bull, which, uh, gosh, you know what? This may very well be my my demise because between Red Bull and Monster, I can honestly say in the last 20 years, the better part of 20 years, I've either had one or two of each every single day. So I'm, uh, I don't know, man. I'm, uh, Your I'm on a blow up. I was going to say, I'm on a collision course here. I'm like an 80s wrestler who all of a sudden you're going to read about on Twitter. Uh, prolific, one, prolific wrestling podcast. Would you say I'm prolific? Maybe? No. Sure. How many Why shows not? have you done? Different shows. Well, you it's funny. This one for six years now or five. Yes. So that kind of takes me to my first announcement. Um, the first announcement is is bittersweet. This is the last episode on the MLW Radio Network. Uh, this is this is it. We are moving on. Um, I made a big announcement that we're moving to Spotify. Um, so we are going to be moving to Spotify. Uh, you can already get our show, I believe, on Spotify, but I am actually adding new destinations in addition to that. Uh, nothing's changing with the show. We're still going to be able to be found on all of your fine podcast platforms. But our time with MLW is uh, is coming to an end by the time we end the show tonight. I first want to take a second to thank Court Bauer. Um, and the MLW Radio Network, they gave Jerry and I an opportunity and Mikey an opportunity years ago, and we ran with it, and we had great success, and we've enjoyed it. So nothing but love to Court Bauer and MLW. Um, we are now going to be merging, so we'll be part of a brand um, also with the Pesky Podcast. So we're going to be uh, working with The Rit as well, so we're going to be merging with, uh, with that brand. I thought I got rid of him once. You th well, here's the funny thing. You, you, it's like herpes, if I can use that case. I got it forever. You do. You do. It's like a case of the herps. Um, and I don't, the Ritz probably thinking, really, all the things you could compare me to, herpes. But you know what? There's medication for it. So, um, I the worse. I, <laughs> so I, I want to kind of go down memory lane here for a second and just kind of talk to people because. There was a lot of things that happened within the show. It's it's iteration, the way things evolved and changed. You know, first it was uh, me, Mikey, and Jerry, and then obviously um, Jerry went on and got hired by AEW, so he was gone for a while. So it was just me and Mikey, and then Mikey obviously had to go away. He was uh, dealing with, and this is public, so this is not new news, but dealing with a lot of. Um, head trauma and a lot of psychological things that come along with that. And he was very open about that in, uh, in several episodes. So then he had to, to step away for a little bit and then Jerry came back and we picked a new night to, to do the show. And then Mikey came back as well. And they would be intermittent in between um, ever since then. But, uh, but the Rit and I then started actually the Riverfish mojo, uh, Riverfish was with us for for a couple of episodes, and then the Rit jumped on board, mm -hmm. and we were together for I want to say about a year. He and I, and then we brought on the uh, the panel, and we had the uh, the panel, which was which was a lot of fun. It, we joke about the panel, but uh, we were a dysfunctional family. But the panel was was good times. Oh, for and, sure it was. Yeah, and then uh, and then the panel ended and it went back to me and the Ritster. And then Rit had some life changes, and things just happened. And so the Butster stepped up and said, let's keep the ship going. And uh, it's interesting the way you and I kind of came together because 
there's a great, and, and I'm not going to go into great detail at this time, but uh, those of you who know, know that there's a special connection with with myself in the Butster and how he became a listener of the show. And that probably, I can tell you right now, is probably one of the greatest um, feelings I've, I've ever had as far as just a human being. And that's what makes you realize what you do is important because you just never know. You never know uh, who's listening, and and that that meant a lot to me, and it, it still does to this day. So, so here we are, last show on MLW. We're going to go out with a bang, but we got a lot of things to talk about. So let's kind of uh, let's kind of go right into the first the big pay per view of the weekend, and it was Under Siege. And you and I had talked before; uh, we were text messaging Under Siege was great but you know what impact wrestling continues to be consistent they put on great shows they put on great pay-per-views and their storylines are really really good and i feel like in a lot of ways impact wrestling doesn't always get it's just due because a lot of times people will come into impact and they'll either sign a short-term contract or it'll be a handshake contract with scott demore and then they'll end up kind of walking out um, and that's a tough thing. Matt Cardona's situation was that way. We're going to talk about Jordan Grace. We talked about her, uh, I believe last week, uh, about her situation as well. She's obviously wrapped up with Impact Wrestling as well. But let's get into this pay per view itself. Um, whether you got to catch the pay per view or you didn't, we're going to go over all of these uh, details because it was a loaded card. Uh, and when I say loaded, I mean literally they uh, they they held no expense to this. Uh, it was at the London, London, Ontario, Canada, at the Western Fair District Argaplex, and uh, there was a lot of interesting stories that kind of fed into this. But let's kind of go into our first match: uh, the Deadly Dolls uh, defeated Kylan King and Taylor Wilde which I thought it was a great tag team match. What was uh, what was your thoughts on this? I'm a big Kylan King fan from her days in AEW and the things that she's done on the independent scene as well. But another great women's tag team match. What was your take? Um, I don't follow Impact a hell of a lot. I'm more or less trying to get back into it. Uh, I wish I hadn't followed, to be honest with you. So I don't know too many of the characters by names and the storylines. However, I, I did watch Under Siege. Uh, there wasn't a bad match on the card. Uh, for an opener, and realistically, I didn't know. I know who next to nobody is on the roster. I'm trying. I'm learning. But I'm just out of the loop, unfortunately. That card was good. That match was fantastic. It, yeah. It, it exceeded my expectations because, unfortunately, Impact has the plug of being a, well, I don't know, your um, entry-level transition, transition. So you, it sounds bad, but you generally don't have high expectations or whatever. Sure. That's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, once again, not knowing next to none of the wrestlers on that card, it was great. Um, could I tell you anybody apart from each other? <laughs> Not really. So unfortunately, I couldn't. I can't comment on that. But the, all the matches that I watched on that were were exciting. 
So to give it an actual breakdown, unfortunately, I am ill-prepared, as usual, to do that. But, yeah, I enjoyed every match on that card. I think that the, the aspect of the Deadly Dolls, or I'm sorry, the Death Dolls, I don't know why they were deadly in my mind, but they mix really well. Um, they've got a great presentation in the ring. They've got great continuity when it comes to tag teams. They really complimented Kylan King and Taylor Wilde. It was a great match. And I think what's really exciting about Impact Wrestling is Impact Wrestling is really where women's wrestling kind of originated. And I know there's a lot of arguments about, you know, WWE wants to claim that they were you know, the women's revolution. But it was Impact Wrestling. Let's be honest here. The knockouts division was where it was at. And I think they're really building that back up again. And I think the Death Dolls, Courtney Rush uh, and, and Jessica going against, you know, arguably one of the best female independent wrestlers right now in Kylan King. I mean, she's put on matches everywhere she, with Warrior Wrestling. She's done great stuff. She's done great stuff with AEW. She's been all over. She's been champion in multiple companies. Great, great match. It ends uh, with submission. So Courtney Rush and Jessica defeat uh, the Coven, which is Kylan King and Taylor Wilde by submission. The match goes seven minutes and 28 seconds, but a great opener, great intensity. It really got the crowd going. And I've noticed when it comes to pay-per-views, you got to have a good opener. You got to have an opener that's really going to get people warmed up because if not, then it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the card. And I think they did this really, really well. Now, could this match have been anywhere else on the card? Absolutely. Uh, tag team wrestling and impact wrestling has always been super, super hot. And that's kind of what they're known for is their tag team wrestling. So I think this was a great one. Um, we and move on. Kylan to King, just for record, is a yeah. giant. Like, I, I'm just looking up as we're talking here because unfortunately I don't know him all the part as well as I should. Yes. Now that I'm looking at shit, she's massive. She's a big woman. Yeah, she's six one. Uh, she's built at one sixty five, but she is lean, mean, and ripped. Um, she was actually trained by Billy Gunn, um, and she actually also attended the Team Three D Academy. She That's actually right. went ahead and debuted in two thousand and eighteen. Now she's done stuff with the NWA as well. Um, in fact, actually on August twenty eighth of twenty one, she made her debut for the NWA, uh, where she wrestled on the NWA Power. She teamed up with Red Velvet, which once again is a uh, AEW, gosh, I can't even think, AEW uh, Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament. They were defeated by the Free Babes, um, which was Jazzy Yang and Miranda Gordy, who we've actually had on this show as well. But she has done a lot of great things. She's also uh, debuted in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, back uh, in 2022, so she's she's done really really well. And ever since she formed the Coven uh, this past year, she's uh, she's really kind of taken it to the next level. So had some feuds with Taya Valkyrie as well. So she's had the experience. There's no doubt whatsoever that she is an individual that should be taken very seriously when it comes to women's wrestling. Um, let's go ahead and let's talk about. Um, Tyler Triva defeated Jason Hotch uh, with Brian Myers and John Schuyler uh, by pinfall. The match went five minutes, 13 seconds. I didn't have a whole lot of expectations from this match. It wasn't a bad match. Um, once again, I'm not super familiar with these individuals, so I can't really give a big analysis on this. 
Um, but a good match. Uh, like I said, went five minutes and 13 seconds. And um, I want to learn a little bit more um, about Jason Hotch because I feel like the guy definitely has a lot of abilities and I, I want to keep on with him. I'm going to start following Impact straight up. Like That show drew me in. It made a fan out of me straight up. Well, the the interesting thing about that is if you have access TV, but do you have access TV where you're at? Uh, probably. I don't okay. know. I don't think we have it, but we might. I don't know. Okay, so access TV is where Impact Wrestling is. Now, at least I have Sling. On access TV, you also get New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is phenomenal because I can dvr impact and dvr new japan and i want to talk more about new japan in the coming weeks as well because i was watching the best of the super juniors and uh speedball mike bailey was in there and boy did he tear it up uh he didn't end up winning the super juniors but he's also an impact star and somebody who oh my god his abilities are insane he is if i had to describe he's kind of like a Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, X-Pac type of guy, all wrapped into one. Just so, yes, so good, so quick, so agile. That's high praise. Well, I tell you what, I have nothing but but respect for him after watching what he does in the ring. Wow. Um, Let's go ahead and let's talk about Joe Hendry defeated Dirty Dango. Um, As many people know, Dirty Dango used to be Fandango. In WWE, he had since left, and uh, he's still going by that. It's, it's Curtis Jonathan Hussey, but uh, he goes by Dirty Dango. He also does a lot of things on the independent circuit as well. Uh, Joe Hendry, is he's put together, dude. This guy looks phenomenal. Uh, turned pro wrestler. Uh, he was actually the former uh, and the longest reigning uh, Impact Wrestling Digital Media Champion, and the guy looks like a million bucks. He's got the look. He's got the charisma. He has a lot of great abilities. Once again, um, it was for the Digital Media Championship, and uh, Hendry retained. Uh, the match went five minutes and 43 seconds, which was not bad. It was a good length for a match like that, but do not be surprised if you see Hendry uh, starting to, once again, uh, eke his way into the world title picture. I want to talk about the world title picture with Impact after we go after the card because I have some predictions that I would like to, to go over. Um, a big one was Nick Aldis. Uh, Butster, you and I have talked about Nick Aldis. And, you know, ever since he left the NWA, if we all remember, Nick Aldis left Impact Wrestling. Um, and then he obviously went over to the NWA. He was a part of the very, very first in 2018 uh, all-in pay-per-view where he took on Cody Rhodes. And that was a phenomenal match itself. And that's where Cody ended up becoming uh, the NWA champion, 10 pounds of gold. But he left and he was with NWA for quite some time, a very prestigious champion. And then all of a sudden, you know, he decided that he was becoming a free agent. WWE showed some interest in him. But he ultimately decided to side with Impact Wrestling and go back to Impact Wrestling, and he took on Kenny King uh, with Shelton Jean in his corner, and he won the match. Uh, the match won about eight minutes and 58 seconds. When it comes to Nick Aldis, but, I mean, 
How can you not, if he's on the free agent market, go after him just because he carries himself a lot like a Lord Stephen Regal? I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but a lot of international stars, they just carry themselves with a lot of prestige, whether it's from Ireland or whether it's from the Netherlands. or I mean, look, look at people uh, kind of like Seamus and Drew McIntyre, and you can even talk about Buddy Murphy as well. And, and you look at these stars – they carry themselves differently, and this guy looks, walks, talks like a champion, looks, walks, talks like somebody that you can actually have the face of your company. Yeah, no doubt about him. He's amazing. I mean, I don't know what his contract is with Impact, if it's a long-term thing, if it's a, if it's per appearance. If it's, I assume he's still doing indie shows. Uh, that that's a pure assumption, but I mean, when he was a, when he was a free agent, everybody had to call. Surely, God, you'd be you'd be a damn fool not to call, even if you couldn't afford him. You had to call. But I mean, I don't know if if he signed with Impact, he's not making boatloads of cash. WWE could have got him if it's a financial thing. AEW could have got him. And their pockets are significantly deeper than Impact. This is true. Right? Now, the Mickey James draws got a lot to do with that. I think we talked about this on the show uh, um, whenever we talked about Nick Aldis last time. I'm sure it's got a lot to do with it, like it would. But, I mean, he's good. He's so good. A another guy I wish I had discovered sooner. Like, I, I just wish I followed your NWAs and your impacts and, and New Japan. I don't, unfortunately. I'm, I'm trying to. But, man, I, I wish I had been following all this longer than I than I have. Because he looks like a million bucks. He could wrestle. And, and he's a fair-sized man. He is. He's not and, a small dude by any Jerry, street. when you're that size, you might be a little bit slower, pure power-based wrestler, which he he can definitely go power base, but he moves for a big dude too. Six and four, he's no spring chicken either. I mean, he's got to be late thirties by now, I would imagine. No, maybe forties. Uh, let me take a look here if I have this in my notes. Uh, he's thirty six right now. He's thirty six. So, I mean, you know, that match, I enjoyed it. Uh, Kenny King, well, he was he not in NXT day? Or Kenny King was in enough or something. WWE originally WWE developmental, and what Kenny King is mostly known for is his time in Ring of Honor. And if you're not super familiar, Kenny King is a very interesting individual because he butted heads a lot with Jim Cornette in Ring of Honor when Jim Cornette was in charge of the booking. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it's a very interesting story. If you want to go ahead and check out the. Uh, the issues that Kenny King and Jim Cornette had in Ring of Honor, you can definitely check that out. That's all over uh, YouTube as well. Um, but before we jump to, to a little bit more about Kenny King, he was known as Magnus in Impact Wrestling before he ended up leaving and being Nick Aldis. And like I said, he was there from the all-in all the way until he left uh, in 2022 to return to Impact Wrestling. Now, a lot of people are kind of wondering, you know, what was really going on? Why would Nick Aldis choose to leave the NWA? 
He's the champion. You know, it seems like things are going really well. Well, without spilling too many of the beans, and I'm probably not saying anything that's not already common knowledge, the NWA is not on the best financial footing. And that's not surprising, right? And a lot of people who are in the NWA are already previously established stars. And if you're going to the NWA, there is some level of belief that you might have some money in the bank and you're looking for a lighter schedule. Uh, a lot of the TV tapings they'll do back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back to back to back. They'll do a lot of studio type of tapings, and they can tape a month's worth at one time and then have a pay-per-view and then already have taped, interestingly enough, the follow-up after the pay-per-view. So you do a live pay-per-view, but then obviously you'll have the, the TV tapings afterwards, which um, right now we're having issues. Mike has muted himself for some reason. Uh, it wouldn't be front row material if we didn't have hold technical on. issues. Hold on, did you mute me? Did you mute me? How did I mute you? I don't have any of this authority. I think you do. I think you actually secretly have more power than you thought. How far did I get before I was muted? Oh, uh, something about a, a welcome to front row material. Stop on Mike it, Freeland. Something Stop to that it. extent. Wouldn't much after that. Oh my god. Um. So I, I hopefully you guys caught this part. If not, so when he left the the NWA, I mentioned before they weren't on the best financial footing, but he ended up having kind of a falling out with Billy Corgan, and the falling out was well documented. Now, as far as the details, uh, not a lot of the real details were released about the falling out with Billy, but at the end of the day, the contract was up. He was not going to resign with the company. So you have Scott Demore, who is beloved by so many people uh, within the Impact world and even in the independent world. I mean, he ran um, Border Wrestling, correct? That was his Border City Wrestling in Windsor Border City. Yeah, Border City Wrestling, and he, he's really respected for treating people well in Impact Wrestling. So when the opportunity came out, you know, the former Magnus decided he would like to come back. Um, he did get some interest from WWE, but gosh, you know, even though WWE cuts their schedule back, it's still, it's still pretty grueling. We're still probably 200 days a year. I bet absolutely. That's a lot. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a heck of a lot. Now, what really kind of took me by surprise is, and you had mentioned this before, is that, you know, Mickey James was, you know, originally in NWA and then she obviously went to impact wrestling. And do you think in any way that had that played a part in him, maybe deciding to come over to impact wrestling? Of course it did. It had to. Yeah. Yeah. This is his wife. So, you know, you get to travel together, be at home together. I would assume I'm not sure exactly what your schedule is. I think your schedule is fairly light for impact. Is it not one show a week? Similar to AEW? I believe it is, and I do know they do block tapings. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, you're on the road with your wife. You could spend some time with her. You know, why wouldn't you? Get a little more family time out of the deal. I I would assume he's done fairly well for himself at this point. Uh, you know, Mickey's done very well for herself at this point. So, I, I doubt they need to chase the huge money. I do. They're both looking for a decent dollar, of course, but it's not like they're doing it because they need to make the bank to pay the bills. They put the well-established stars. 
mean, hell, they can just go do autograph circuits at this point and do well for themselves. Let's also be honest here. It's Mickey James. I go home to that every night. I was going to say, we, we let, let's just cut the shit here, folks. Let's be <laughs> honest. Let's be real. It's Mickey James. Um, I went to WrestleMania 22 in Chicago and saw her uh, in a match. I don't know if it was against Trish. I don't know. I had to pull up the, the WrestleMania 22 card. But um, the feud she had, originally she was obsessed with Trish Stratus. Mm-hmm. And then it became that really like stalker type of thing. So it went from obsessed fan to stalker to then a wildly successful feud where Trish really got her over big time. And and they have a lot of respect for each other. And, and Trish has done a lot of great stuff for Mickey. And then all of a sudden, Mickey really kind of became the face of the women's division once Trish kind of decided to step away. But, man, what a great couple. I mean, just as far as talent is concerned, money-making power, drawing power, um, it was interesting because some people had said, you know, what kind of sparked the interest into him coming back to Impact Wrestling? What was the their multiverse pay-per-view where they end up having other stars come in and conversations started to go, hey, is your contract going to be up? Yeah, you know, things aren't working too well with Billy. Let's go ahead and let's sit down and talk. So they did, and there we go. He is... Uh, he is an impact wrestling, and I think that with he he and Macklin, that's going to start up next. Oh. That's going to be the next big oh. one. I'm excited. Oh, that's going to be so good. My God, that's going to be good. That's, that's going to be the type of feud that they could stretch that thing out for a while, and I think it would not get old whatsoever. Um I'm also going to pose a question uh, after we're done talking about the pay-per-views. Very interesting question, which some people may think is a slam-dunk easy answer question. But is it really? I'm just teasing that one. Um, So Nick Aldis defeats Kenny King. Eight minutes and 58 seconds. Great match for Nick Aldis. Obviously uh, starting to build his way up here. Uh, Rich Swan, Sammy Callahan, and Jake Chris defeat the design, which is Diener. Uh, Angels and Khan by pinfall. Um, you know, it's really interesting. I, I believe, if I'm not correct, or if I'm not wrong here, Alan Angels um, has been a really big success when it comes to Impact Wrestling. I think he's really come into himself, and I like what he's doing. I really wish, if we're going to be honest, that he would have been even more involved uh, with AEW, but that is that. Rich Swan, former uh, Impact Wrestling world champion, phenomenal. Sammy Callahan, former champion, phenomenal. Jake Crist, a very violent uh, group right there. Uh, obviously taking on the design, which is Diener, Angels, and Con, but I liked it. Um, normally I don't get into the six man tags. I really don't. So like when we talk about AEW, like the, the trios and all that stuff, I don't really get into that. I'll be honest. But when you have the right people and the chemistry is really good, it can really set itself off to be a great match. And this one was really good. Absolutely. I mean, because you're bringing Khan, who's your giant, he was with the Ascension in uh WWE. Yes. Big, big man powerhouse. Sammy Callahan, he's a little hoo-hoo, a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Very much uh, so. He's a, he's, he's a nasty unit. Yes. Uh, Swan is 
don't think anybody really needs to explain what, what Swan is. If it wasn't for some personal issues, I mean, he may still be with WWE. I mean, he was damn good. Let me let me pause you there for a second. Let me ask you this question: What about Rich Swan? Since he's right there on our tongues, Rich Swan, in my opinion, was what I wished Kofi Kingston would have been. Rich Swan is a better version of what Kofi Kingston was. In in, I guess what I mean by that is he's got just as, he's got more physical athletic ability, but he's got that edge and he's got that personality, that grittiness. And Rich Swan is a very complete package where I feel like I would have loved to seen Kofi get to the Rich Swan level, but it never happened. Anyway, that's my two cents on that. I think Kofi's a better entertainer. I all, okay. Now Rich is much better in the ring. Uh, no, Correct. Much better that's that's an exaggeration. I went a little too far there. But he is better in the ring. No, I agree with you. Um, uh, and Kofi's probably a little better entertainer. And I, I noticed that, you know, it's a big thing, you know, with, with WWE, you know, not, not to say they don't have good wrestlers, because they do. They have AJ Styles, which is really great. They had Bobby Roode, which is he's recovering. He is a great wrestler. You have Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, and the list goes on and on. Great wrestlers. But I really think the thing with WWE is it's the showmanship, which is the, the pomp and circumstance, which is really put before the in-ring stuff. Um, but Rich Swan, like you said before, if it hadn't been for a few, you know, little missteps here, gosh, I mean, you know, being an X division champion, uh, being a digital media champion, being the world heavyweight champion, so many great things. He had a great match with uh, Kenny Omega when Kenny en- ended up becoming um, impact wrestling world champion. I thought that was great. It's weird because not to go down a rabbit hole, but you know, when impact wrestling did that, agreement with AEW I really felt like we were going to get a Sammy Callahan match with with Kenny Omega and remember they teased it at Daly's place mm-hmm. when he did a run in and then they just it just ended it was very it was very bizarre the way um, all that kind of went unfortunately that's happened a few too many times for my liking with AEW but but just to, to reiterate something you said here I mean that tells you how great Rich Swan is. He carried Kenny Omega through a match. I agree. What does that say for how great is he if he can make some of Kenny Omega look good? Whoa, I was with you for a second. I was there because Kenny was injured, having was. issues with vertigo, and now all of a sudden carrying? Oh. I just want to bring that up. Mm-hmm. No, obviously I'm being a smartass, but no, but Swan is... He's damn good. He is so talented. Yes. But, but there, there was nobody. Um, there was nobody out of place in that match. Diener, I've learned a little bit about him lately. I mean, and he's he's got an interesting gimmick. I liked it maybe a little bit better when he had the long hair, redneck gimmick. I I enjoyed that. But I mean, Eagles is so good. Right, Khan once again. You get you get your big giant monster, you know, Sammy, and you no, know, he's getting a little bit older. Maybe the I think the the violence is catching up to him a bit, but he can still wrestle. It's not like he's gimped up to where he can't move. He can still move, but I mean, he's he'll still rack you and have a chair at the drop of a dime. 
Wasn't it Eddie Edwards he hit with a sledgehammer? Was it, it Eddie? Yes. And that, that was, was nasty. That was so yeah. bad that it was it was legitimately like scary, scary. Like what yeah, was going to be happening with him? You know, and Jake Chris, uh, I know the name more so than what I know of his in-ring work. But he's good. There's nothing wrong with him. He was he was returning, if memory serves me correct. He was wrestling something else. He was with Impact, and then he had left. Yep. Uh, am I right there, Mike? I believe so. Let me pull up some notes here. Um, interesting enough, uh, another Ohio guy. So, uh, love Ohio. Uh, a lot of people. So, in June of 2020, Chris was accused of sexual assault by his ex-girlfriend during the big speaking out movement. So, was he was released. Then on December 15th, he announced his departure from the company. Then on September 2nd, 2021, on the opposite impact, uh, Jake Chris answered Josh Alexander's open challenge for the X Division Championship. He did end up losing that match. Um, but then obviously he came back again at Under Siege, um, and he was the mystery partner of Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan. He's, he's no bum. How old is he? Uh, let me think. Think here. Let me see. Jake Christ is. How old is he? I'm trying to find himself here. Yeah, I don't have his birthday, but he's from Dayton, Ohio. Which, um, yeah, I don't have his birthday on here. Have to... Either way, he he's good. Yes, I mean he's. I I don't know a hell of a lot about him. I'm once again we're learning it. But he's good. I'd watch him again. Yeah, no, he's that match, and and I feel very similar to you with the six man or trios or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes it doesn't do much for me. That was a good matchup. I no. enjoyed that. And and once again, the the trios can be really good, but you it can't just be a mishmash of people. Which I feel like. In some ways, that's what ends up happening with trios. It's a mishmash. It's like, oh, we're going to throw these three people together. And it's like, well, wait a minute. They, they don't really complement each other's styles. But it's like, well, that's what they are. And I don't know. But this worked. This worked really well. And uh, I tip my hat to Scott the more. Um, a big match that a lot of people were really looking forward to. Uh, Trinity defeated uh, Giselle Shaw. Um by submission, which was a big one, and it went 10 minutes and 28 seconds. Now, once again, for those of you who may or may not be familiar with Trinity, uh, she was known as Naomi in WWE. Her and Sasha Banks, uh, over a year ago, walked into Monday Night Raw, and at that time, the head of talent relations, um, it was John Laurinaitis. They put the championships down, and they, they walked out. They said they did not want to be a part of the company anymore because they were upset with how they were being used. And at that time, that was a big deal to walk out on WWE, especially when you're making some good money, which we use the term good money, but it's all it's all relative, right? Because when we talked about Sasha Banks, we said Sasha Banks just wanted to be competitive with the money that Becky Lynch and Charlotte were making, and she she was below both of them. And I'm thinking to myself, 
you know what? Kudos to Sasha for, for saying, I would like to have money comparable to them. She's a former champion. She definitely sells a lot of merchandise. Her action figures are always flying off the shelves. Everyone knows her as the boss. Um, so she does definitely has that brand recognition. I'm just really surprised that she wasn't given more money than what she was actually reported to be making, but they decided to walk out and, um, then she ended up making meaning Trinity, her debut in impact wrestling, uh, on May the 4th. And she said she had her intentions were to win the knockout championship so that led to obviously her going against Diana Peraza and Jordan Grace on May the 18th. And then that ended up subsequently turning into a championship uh, world tag team championship match that she had with Kylan King, one half of the tag champions. And then finally under siege where she finally got her victory over Giselle Shaw. And if you're not familiar with Giselle Shaw, I can't even say that correct. She's a Filipino professional wrestler. Um, she's also been working in England. She also worked with progress wrestling as well. Rev pro wrestling. She is a very experienced wrestler. Uh, very respected wrestler. If you are also familiar with Yishal Shaw, and I can't... Giselle, Mike. Giselle. Giselle. It's such a pretty name. Um, she was at, I want to say, a Legends of Wrestling convention, or a con, uh, one of the, the wrestling conventions, and some disparaging comments were made. Uh, towards her and she took that to social media and she said hey look we can't stand for this this needs to stop and she also is dating scott demore who is in charge of impact wrestling he's the president so and she's phenomenal in the ring so this match was really good um what was some of your thoughts about this and do you think trinity in your opinion is at that level of Sasha Banks, do you think she's slightly below, or do you think there's definitely a gap between the two? There's a gap. Uh, Sasha Banks uh, on that tag team, Sasha was the the Shawn Michaels. I agree. Um, Not to say Trinity's not good. She's very good, but she's not quite at the same level as Sasha. She's a Marty Jannetty. Hopefully nobody throws her through a window or nothing like that. that no, of course. No more that. That's just Poor not Marty Jannetty, the one thing he's remembered for is getting thrown through the glass window. Oh, the- no, there's more things he's remembered for, but I ain't bringing them up uh, on this show. We yeah, can talk about good, that later. Good point. We'll leave it to that. No, but no, she's no, she's not at the same level as Sasha. She's still very, very good. I'm, I'm not saying nothing negative that way. Uh, but she, she would be the B-side of that tag team. She looked great. Looked great in that match with Giselle. Uh, it was the first time I seen Giselle wrestle. Honestly, um, obviously, no, know about her. No, unfortunately, learned about her through, you know, certain people making not so nice comments. That was how I realistically at first heard of her. Uh, she's good. She's very good. Uh, that there was nothing wrong with that match at all. You know, it was fat. It was a it was a quicker pace match than I expected, because when Trinity Naomi whatever was in WWE, her matches at times seemed almost sloppy. Uh, 
you know what I mean? My sloppy that's a, that's might, a be, fair a, might be a little hurt, no, but you know what I'm saying, that's, right? That's a fair assessment. I, she wasn't as, I would say, technically sound and as crisp. I mean, yeah. she was more of of an entertainer where, yeah, Sasha Banks was an entertainer as well, but Sasha Banks also could really, really get it done in the ring as well, where I feel like, I feel like Trinity was coming along but I feel like she really got her recognition because she was associated with Chaucer Banks, if that yes. makes sense. And man, I am, I am not, I am not slurring my words on purpose. I don't know if I'm just tired. I'm just <laughs> so. The school year's uh, just just about over, Mike. Yeah, I actually, know. it is over for you, isn't it? Well, I had my last day today. We had our our final uh, meeting and whatnot. So yes, I'm officially. A free agent now. Well, not a free agent. I've signed a new contract with uh, the next school year, but I'm officially done now, which is, oh, which is good. It's nice to take a deep breath. I got to be to work in um, nine hours. I will be in bed. Must be nice. Yeah, but but no, no, nonetheless, no. That match was was very good. Uh, Trinity has definitely improved. Uh, a fair bit, honestly. She seemed a little, a little more crisp in that match for sure. Um, I wouldn't. It was good. It was very good. Was it like a, a burn burner all time classic? Maybe not. I, I don't know if I'd go quite that far. But she's definitely come leaps and bounds from where she was. I think that's all. And and at ten and a half minutes, now one of the one of the um. The people that ran in was Savannah Evans. She did a run in in that match. She kind of picked in. I don't know if you if you seen that at the end. She she can be a bit of a nasty unit too. I think <laughs> dastardly. She, she, yeah, that she's one of the. I don't know. She she beats the tar out of you. She. Would you compare her? So, if we're if we're doing the comparisons, we just did the Shawn Michaels Marty Jannetty comparison. How would you describe her from a more of a historical type of wrestler? Would you say a Sherry Martel? The first name that popped into my mind was Jazz. Oh, well, yeah, Jazz is a legend as well. That's a good call, Jazz. Good yeah, call. That, that was the first. Well, Sherry wouldn't be wouldn't be a big stretch, but I think Jazz would be more your your comparison. If jazz, if jazz looked at me, I'd hand her my wallet. I'd say I can't. No. Yeah. Well, so no. No. Thank you. Don't hurt me. I, yeah, I apologize yeah. emphatically if I even looked in your direction and offended you. Jazz is married to uh, Rodney Mack, who, oh my gosh, talk about another intimidating guy. But I know they're sweethearts at heart. But man, I tell you what, when yeah. when these talents go into the ring, it's it's a different ball game. Jazz is is a great comparison. Yeah, that that's what I think of, and and she's very good. Uh, you know, I did a little bit of looking, like we all do. You know, sitting on your in your lazy boy, you got your phone in your hand while you're watching the show, or whatever. Like, oh, who's this person? You look up a little bit about her. She's been around for a bit. I think she's probably been around six or seven years, or maybe a little bit better than that. To be honest with you, and she's she was entertaining to me. I'd watch. I'd like to see her. Actually, I want to see all for that matter. So. so it's interesting we talk about Naomi's Trinity. Um, so just kind of give you a little background on her. She'd been actually with WWE from 2009 to 2022. That's a long time. 
Also, she's married to Jimmy Uso. They got married in 2014. But to give you a little bit of an insight on uh, Trinity, she actually got signed by WWE back in 2009, and then they ended up sending her to developmental, which at the time was Florida Championship Wrestling. She actually was their very first Divas Champion. Then she competed in Season 3 of NXT to obviously... Uh, make it onto the the main roster. Um, she was uh, with Cameron in 2012. She was actually part of the uh, Funkadelics, um, Funkadactyls, whatever you want to refer to them. Obviously, they were with. Talk about everybody's connected to each other. Six degrees of, of separation here, which was Tyrus, and Tyrus is the current NWA champion. Um, but I mean, a lot of people thought that she would end up coming back to WWE because of being. In the Inouye family, but obviously that didn't necessarily happen. Um, I thought that would have made a lot of sense too, because you know you could have had her, you know, saying something to Jimmy, and you know all that stuff, all that 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 bloodline storyline was so good. And you know, we've talked about this before, um, and I'm going on a tangent here, but. I think that might be one of the best storylines that I've seen since I've been a fan of wrestling. Would you agree? One of the best storylines I've seen in a very, very oh my long time. god, so well done. I mean, and it was just you had to get invested in it, even if you weren't a big time fan. If you just got into that story, it drew you in. You had to be, and no WWE could have brought Trinity back just to. Drive the Usos around. Probably be better. <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to our our next match here. Um, it was Ace Austin and Chris Bay. They defeated Subculture, which was Mark Andrews, Flesh Morgan Webster, uh, with uh, Danny Luna. Um, by the way, Mark Andrews and Flesh Morgan obviously uh, had previously, you know, are a tag team. Um, they're UK wrestlers, and they were also in NXT UK, which that's when I first recognized who Mark Andrews was and Flesh Morgan. Um, I think they're so freaking good. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about this. The match went 13 minutes and 15 seconds. Um, Ace Austin and Chris Bay they won. So um, they retain the Impact World Championships. I like Ace Austin. I like Ace Austin a lot. I don't think that there are many people who really personify that that cocky, that ego-y type of personality uh, the way Ace Austin does. So I think he is a great talent to have on hand. He also does a lot of stuff in the independent world as well. So he's been seen probably in just about every promotion. Uh, Chris Bay, uh, his tag team partner, once again, not much more you can say about Chris Bay. He's a former X Division champion, uh, obviously world tag team champion as well. He's made a big name for himself on the independent scene. He's been with Impact Wrestling for a while. They mesh really, really well. I actually thought that Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan were Webster were going to win this because just their continuity together. They're just, they flow so well. When we talk about tag teams, like we talk about the Aussie Open, they are so good. I would put Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster in that same category as the Aussie Open. They're just, uh, they got this symbiotic type of understanding with each other. Um, great, great match. Tag team championship match. This is what you want when you have a championship match. You want to have a situation where you really don't know who's going to win. 
and this one definitely lived up to expectations. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Bay, uh, I enjoyed watching him. Knew nothing about him until this match. Uh, I enjoyed it. He, he moves very, very well. Not not a large man by no stretch, but he moves very well. You know, the, what, what's Cornette call it? Flippy floppy? I think Cornette calls it or whatever. You know what? It's pretty entertaining, flippy floppy. Flippy floppy uh, in, in Cornette's world, if it's done well, is freaking amazing. So, once again, not all of us are stuck in 1975. Um, I like it. I like it. It was really, really good. So, uh, the World Tag Team Championships uh, retains with ABC. Um, as we get later in the card here, I mean, it's banger match after banger match. And I know that's a phrase that's used uh, a lot by the young people. I hope I can still use it. Uh, Trey Miguel, just to kind of go on, Trey Miguel defeated Chris Saban by pinfall. Um, it was for the X Division Championship. Once again, Trey Miguel retains. Trey Miguel has done so many things on the independent scene. I mean, he's done stuff with AAW, which is in Chicago. Um, he's done things, I believe he's spent some time, he did some stuff with Warrior Wrestling. All over the place. Trey Miguel is very seasoned. Chris Saban, uh, wow. I mean, what, what can you say about Chris Saban? I mean, he is one of the most prolific tag team wrestlers of all time. And... What he did in the Ring of Honor, uh, not only what he's done in Impact Wrestling, such a great talent to have, and in, in one half of the tag team, um, Motor City Machine Guns. Yes, love it, love it. Man, he's been be- around forever. He's he's your uh, was it consummate professional? Did I say that right? You you did. That's what he is. He's fantastic, and he's getting up there in years. But he's still putting off great matches. He's, I would imagine, he's got to be 40 by now. Not too uh, old at 40. I was, I'm, I'm I was mid just 40s, about but, to say know, nothing. But, nothing but no, generally, when a when an athlete gets to 40, you slow down a bit and whatnot. Yeah. He's still putting off good matches. I remember him a lot of years ago when he was with TNA. Yes, he did lots Not of impact, Sunday, but TNA, yep. right? When they had the messed up shape ring and everything. Yep. Right, he's been around a while. He can go. And he, he's also a former TNA World Champion, so you can't you can't knock him. He's he's held the gold. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So just to let you know, as far as uh, his match on this. They were actually given the most amount of time on the pay per view. What their, did they do? Their, their match went 18 minutes and 34 seconds. Oh. They were That's given good. the most amount, which I think is very deserving. Um, moving on here, Alex Shelley defeated Eddie Edwards, Frankie Kazarian, Jonathan Gresham, and Moose. Um, obviously, by pinfall, it was a six way match to determine who the number one contender was going to be for the Impact World Heavyweight Championship which we'll be getting to as well. Um, Alex Shelley is, is very good. Alex Shelley, you can't, you can't knock him. I mean, as far as when we talk about, you know, who is somebody in impact wrestling that you can definitely put a championship on and know that he's going to go out there and put on great matches. Well, it's Alex Shelley. And I think he's shown that for years. He's a former X Division champion, former tag team champion as well. It just kind of surprised me because 
with Jonathan Gresham and Moose, I remember Moose was really pushed hard, if you remember, the last couple of years. And then it really kind of cooled off. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Gresham, great, great wrestler, great technician. I thought that he might have been getting an opportunity here, but they, they go with the, the homegrown Alex Shelley. So it looks like he'll be taking on whoever. Wink, wink. Uh, I'm not going to tease it. Whoever is the current uh, Impact Wrestling champion. But then again, you, you still got Nick Aldis, who's out there as well. So I think so many contenders for the Impact World title is going to continue to propel that company because you know a company is really known by who the champion is and how strong the company is is based upon how strong their champion is and i mean between macklin whether you put it on alex shelley whether you put it on pco whether you put it on so many people are going to be great flag bearers and, and torch carriers for impact wrestling for for the future so excellent congratulations to him as well i mean moose and dreamer had some great matches Amen to uh, that. What, six months ago, eight months ago, I guess, when they ran their program. Yes. They had some fantastic matches. I thought Moose was going over, personally. We said, yes. I said it last week. That's who I thought was going to win that. I was surprised. I thought Shelly had no chance. But that's the beauty of wrestling. When stuff that's like the, this happens. Well, that's the beauty of the way they tell their stories in Impact Wrestling as yeah. well. I mean, there you go. I mean, it has you. You think you're going left. Oh, they're going to go right. Um, a match that I thought was interesting. <clears throat> Deanna Peraza, Jordan Grace. And Mike just muted himself again. Are you doing this on purpose now? Oh, you see my hands? You can see my hands. I don't know. You just could be green screened. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of chicanery that happens in Canada. Has Jerry Lynn been helping you with your uh, technical abilities? Okay, moving on. <laughs> comparing me to Jerry Lynn, I can't believe that. In any any situation, comparing me to Jerry Lynn, I would be honored. But in that case, as you know well, uh, no thank you, friend. Um, Deanna Peraza and Jordan Grace, as I was saying, Jordan Grace has expressed herself in many regards and in interviews she's conducted and from information we've gotten from the dirt sheets that she's kind of dividing her time. She's wanting to invest a lot more of her time into bodybuilding and her body has transformed greatly since we first were introduced to Jordan Grace. Um, before we go into the results of this match, we talked about Jordan Grace, and if she does, obviously, and it sounds like she's going to take a little sabbatical from, from wrestling for a while, what has prevented her from going to a WWE or going to an NXT? Like, I mean, I know her husband, Jonathan Gresham, is an impact, and, and we talked about how that kind of plays a factor with uh, Mickey James and Nick Aldis. I get that, but I mean, she has the look and the ability and all of these things that NXT and Triple H would absolutely love. What would what would be the holdup here? I mean, would it? I mean, obviously they can financially offer her more, but do you think we'll end up seeing her ever in WWE, or do you think that she's just kind of float back and forth between Impact Wrestling and bodybuilding? I would guess she'll be floating back and forth. No. Um, She's strong as a bull. Oh, man. You know, she can wrestle. Oh, pretty woman. 
you know, I, I could see her doing something good in NXT or, or WWE for that matter. But your only hook with that is, or we've said this umpteen times about umpteen talents, when you go there, you're not yourself anymore. You're whatever Vince or Bruce or Triple H or whoever tells you you are type thing. I don't know if that has something to do with why she hasn't bothered to go there. Um, no, it sounds bad, but generally with bodybuilding goes to use of um, performance enhancing, enhanced PEDs. Yep, maybe that could be part. I'm not saying she's on the gas. That's not. Please don't anybody get their panties in a bunch. It's not. Don't what I'm saying. at you. <laughs> right, don't. Don't waste your time. But no, but generally speaking, that is the case. Also, I don't know if that might have something to do with it. Or maybe she just doesn't give a damn. Yeah, that could maybe be. Maybe she's doing well for herself between uh, Impact and Indies. And she just doesn't need it. Uh, Grisham is her husband. He's been around quite a while. I'd imagine he's doing fairly well for himself right now. Because you got to think, if she if she wants to, to pursue bodybuilding, that takes a lot of time. Yeah. If But if she goes to WWE or, or NXT, there's not as much time. You know, I mean, yeah, you can still keep your physique. A lot of people have, but it's a hell of a lot harder. It is. You're right. right? So there, there could be multiple things. Or maybe it's just, honestly, she just doesn't care. She just doesn't want to. No, some people are like that. Some people don't want to go to the big show, whether it be WWE or or, or AEW. Because you got to think, when she's in Impact, she's a big fish in a small pond. Yes. If she goes to a big organization, is she still going to be a big fish in a small pond? Nope. No, Might still be not. a big fish, but it's a big pond now, too. This is very true. Right? So how much of that matters to her? Right, uh, there's no way at some point WWE has not contacted her, oh, her agent. Amen. They they've had to. There's, there's no damn yes. way. They've kicked the tires. I guarantee. Like she's she's a very good wrestler with yeah. a very distinct look. Yes. Right. They're definitely going to look into it. They have to. There's no yep. way. And she's been around for quite a while now. Not right. a hell of a long time, but she's not. New on the scene either. I mean, how, what she been around five, six years, seven years? Let me something see like that. You here. think? Let's see when she debuted. Um, so she's still young. She was born in uh, nineteen ninety six. So she's only twenty seven years old. Uh, let's see when did she debut? Two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. So you got to think. Two thousand eighteen. What's that? Five years ago. Yeah. So, good call, you know. And the fact that she was born in '96, I finished high school in '97. Yep, getting old. You said it, not me. It's true, but they've definitely came calling. They'd yeah. be fools not to. Now, know how much they pushed for it, but they're definitely sending an email or making a phone call, and I'm sure TK has as well. Oh, I guarantee he's had as well. But I, I here's the thing: I wonder 
with the whole Tony Khan situation, I know that things didn't end well with Jonathan Gresham when it came to dropping the Ring of Honor World Championship. I mean, if anybody remembers when he dropped the World Championship, I believe it was was it to Claudio? Yes. When he dropped the title, he just kind of got up and then got out of the ring. There was no real... Well, there's some backstage issues. He felt that Tony Khan brushed him off once or twice, and he was upset about it. Yes. And whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. Once again, I, I like to defend Tony, but I don't know Tony personally, so I can't really take sides. But, I mean, I think he was upset about that. That probably left a bad taste in his mouth. Obviously, he probably told the missus, hey, you know what? I probably wouldn't do this. Even if they make you an offer, um, I probably would stay away. But once again, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ends up losing the match, Deanna Peraza. Deanna ends up retaining the Impact World Championship, the Women's Impact World Championship. And now uh, the, the stipulation was that she is not able to challenge for the championship as long as Deanna Peraza is still champion. That's the uh, that's the deal. And I think it was a nice out for the company for the simple fact that she is stepping away from Impact Wrestling. So I think that it doesn't really affect storyline-wise. Do you know what I mean? It's like we wrote her off, but yet not completely. So... Well, they can bring her back at the drop of a dime if they really want to. Peraza yes. loses to wrestler X right. in two weeks' time. Now, if they want to, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Jordan Grace right back in the title picture. I'm in. I agree. She doesn't miss a beat. So it's, it's easy. She, she's just the type of star that is so good that you really don't need a whole lot of buildup. I mean, her name and her prestige and her track record speak for themselves. Um, so once again, she could come in as a mystery opponent or she could just surprise everybody and show up on a, an episode of impact. And you know what? That wouldn't surprise me. Um, but it does look like she's going to be taking at least some time to compete in uh, bodybuilding. I know she's looking to get her card, um, which is interesting to see if she ends up getting that. So we'll find out. Uh, finally in the main event, Steve Macklin takes on PCO and, Wow. Um, This match went 15 minutes and 44 seconds, but it felt like it went on for an hour and a half just because obviously I got a a personal relationship with PCO. I think he's a a tremendous person. I've gotten to interview him before. We've, we've talked outside of, of podcasts. Great guy. And obviously Steve Macklin's a great guy as well. And boy, did they just let it all out. They left it all on the field and there was, there was, no matter who ended up "quote unquote" winning the match, they both came out looking just absolutely like gold. PCO puts himself out there and puts on a show. I feel like PCO has the the Mick Foley mentality. I'm going to give them their money's worth every time they come out to see me. And he his character is so good, and his presentation is so good, and what they've done in Impact Wrestling with the graphics and the lightning and all that kind of stuff. And when he comes down, and you know, it's it's just so it's it's an experience. Um, I often I talked to him personally, and I said, "Man, you versus the Undertaker, you versus Mick Foley would have been just incredible. You versus Sting. I mean, there were so many opportunities to put him." where I think that type of persona would have been so interesting. Kane, you name it, would have been so great in if you're fantasy booking. But 
It was a bloody match. They they both took a lot of risks. I mean, a lot of risks. Uh, there was a lot more action that happened outside the ring than did in the ring. Blood was shed, uh, predominantly by Macklin. Oh, which Lord. he okay. The, if you haven't seen this match, the way I would compare it is: was it John Cena, JBL when Cena just? It was bad. Was uh, I thought of uh, Eddie and Guerrero. Oh my That's, god! That was the match game. My, you know, he got hurt with. He did. That was not intentional. When he did the dive through and PCO racked him up with the bacon sheet or whatever it was, because if you watch that, PCO actually stepped like a baseball bat and swung. Like, he cranked him with that. He did. I'm sure he didn't do it maliciously to hurt him. No, not, not at all. I mean, he's, he's a professional. Yes. But, I mean, he laid that in. He so did. it must have just randomly hit him the right way or the wrong way, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Because Macklin bled and bled and bled. I it mean, it, it was interesting because it was like right above his hairline. And if you look close, you could actually see the gash. So I guarantee he got some, some stitches. But gosh, he just continued to go and and um, then when that happened, I figured you know what we got five minutes left in this match. Oh, they're gonna have to he take was it home. Bleeding yes. so much. It was bad. They're taking this home. Mm-hmm. They kept going, and yeah, that was so. Uh, it was very violent, obviously, and it was in, it was intended to. That was not going to be a. A Matt classic. This right. is not a um, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko technical match. Thing. But man, it was entertaining as all get out. And PCO can still go. Oh my God. For- Live. The, the, the jump through the ropes to the cannonball basically. Yes. Thing, that's pretty impressive. He's, he's still in there. And Macklin. Straight up stud. Yeah. Yeah. That you can, man is just fantastic. It, WWE shit to bet on that one. I 100% agree with it. 100% agree. Because when you look at somebody like, like Steve Macklin, he is, he's got the look. We talked about this before. He can talk. He can wrestle. He's so talented in impact wrestling. They've got something incredibly special. And I feel like it's almost like a Becky Lynch situation where I forget who it was. Was it who was it that got injured, which Becky Lynch ended up having to replace them in the um oh my god. The pod match. Jesus, why can't I remember these things? What's the pod match? The where they all the have elimination the, chamber. Elimination chamber. Uh I don't know. Let's find out. I'm working on it. So I'll let you look that up. But So I feel like Macklin kind of falls in that category to Becky Lynch where it wasn't quite expected. Um, obviously, Josh Alexander ends up getting injured, which which sucks because Josh has done so many great things for that company. Um, and then Josh goes down. Obviously, they have to have the, the mini tournament to find out who's going to be the number one contender. Macklin ends up becoming the world champion, uh, beating Kushida, which I think he's a great wrestler as well. And then he kind of goes on this, you know, they, they really prepared him uh, in, in once again, enough credit can't be given to Scott Demore for preparing him. 
he starts feuding with Scott Demore about who you're going to put against me. And I want this guy, but nope, you're going to be going against PCO and PCO was just coming off of his feud with Eddie Edwards, which was cinematically really successful. I mean, I loved watching um, not only their matches, but what they did cinematically out in the desert, which is great. And then PCO steps in in a situation where I feel like Scott Demore had to shuffle the cards pretty quickly to determine how we're going to keep the World Heavyweight Championship going when maybe this is a little bit uncharted waters. We still expected Josh to be around for a while. But Steve has stepped in, and I think it's been it's been beautiful. And I think this is really, however long his first title reign lasts, this is truly going to set Macklin up for some some great success in the future. And uh, he ends up defeating PCO um, in a no disqualification match, which PCO's mouth got stapled shut, and that then was crazy. and then they show PCO actually ripping the staples out of his lips. And his lips are just shredded, and he just keeps going. And and that I mean, wasn't gimmick. I was, I was, like, a, it was I, that was legit. He stapled his yap shut. I could not. There's times when you question yourself. You say, "Well, is that gimmicked? Is that not gimmicked?" But then when you look and you go, "Oh my god, that was legitimately like how do you you can't you, you can't gimmick something like that? That's just that's the way it is. Yeah. It well, was so grabbed them with the pliers." Oh, Jesus. Oh. oh, God. Look, I've put a, a a brad nail into my hand before from an air nailer. I couldn't imagine, you know, staples to my lips and yanking that out with a set of pliers. No way. But goodness gracious. I tried to clip I tried to clip my nails the other night and uh I bite my nail sometimes, which is a terrible habit. So I bit my nail, and I was, like, pulling it off. But, like, the corner was still there, so you could feel it, and it was hurting. So I, I had Megs get a pair of uh, clippers, and she had to – I guess the way I ripped it off, I didn't – it was at an angle. She had to, like, get a hold of the, the end of it and then pull out. Not, like, snip it, pull out. And I'm telling you the amount of pain that I felt – and then I thought, PCO just took out staples from his mouth with a pair of needle nose pliers and bled like a stuck pig and had no problem with it. I felt like a little bitch. I'm not going to lie. I mean, kind of. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. Right. So, I don't um, know. That, that, that was a great match. Right? It was. Overall, I think the pay-per-view was a huge success. Um, if you're not watching Impact Wrestling, the, the thing I ask you is, if you do have it with your your cable provider or with your streaming provider or whoever, and you're like, oh, you know, and we talk about this. There's only so many hours in the week that we can watch wrestling. DVR it. DVR it and watch it later um, because you will be incredibly happy with what you see with Impact Wrestling. I absolutely promise you 100%. They're on Access TV. Um, once again, Access TV also has New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can DVR that as well. Just throwing that out there. So, any final comments on this? No. Uh, great great uh, show. Uh, Going to do my best to, to start following Impact. I mean, if they're putting off shows like that, man, I want to get involved. I want to learn these this talent. I want to get involved in the stories. Demore is a genius. There's no two ways about that. They have a lot of talent. Yeah, do yourself a favor. 
tune in. Give it a chance. Watch a couple episodes of it. If you can, if you can find this pay-per-view, put it on. If you don't like it, stop watching wrestling. I don't know what else to tell you because it was that damn good. No, I agree. Um, I'm just briefly going to go over this just for time reasons. Uh, big pay-per-view that happened this past weekend as well. It was NXT Battleground, and uh, it was very interesting. So the two big matches, and I think the things you think about Battleground is they don't usually have more than about four or five matches. So how many do they have in this pay-per-view? One, two, three, four, five. It's six. Um, the big ones were Wesley defeated Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy. Um, obviously with a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship. Uh, the match went 11 minutes, 59 seconds. I think Wesley is a huge star and is going to be a big WWE star for a long time to come. Mm-hmm. Um, he's currently the longest reigning NXT North American Champion, so I think he's going to be doing very, very well. I would actually put him currently on the same level and you're gonna have to help me here because i'm i'm having trouble with names the street profits um the gentleman ford montez ford um i once again montez ford is going to be a huge freaking star and uh it just that's just the way it is He's, he's he has everything and i think wesley falls in that same category not to take anything away from tyler Bate, i think tyler's really great as well tyler really reminds me um I mean, obviously the British style wrestling, which is you have more, maybe shorter in stature, compact wrestlers who are bigger into grappling as well. I think he is really good. I'm trying to think. Uh, he reminds me the most of, oh my God. Fit Finley. He does have a lot of Fit Finley in him. I would agree. Why is the name? Um, Butch, who was formerly oh, known as. Pete Dunn, yes. Yeah. Pete Dunn. And Joe Gacy is is creepy. He's creepy. I like him. Um, he's the leader of the schism, which I think is great. And yeah, I, I think he's great. I think I think they're all going to do really well once they're up on the main roster. I think they all have certain intangibles. Uh, but that that North American championship, I think in NXT, that is probably just as revered, if not as much, as the NXT Heavyweight Championship, just because of the lineage that it has with it. So, great, great match. You know who trained Joe Gacy? Who trained Go- Joe Gacy? DJ Hyde. He was in CZW for 14 years. Yes, DJ Hyde. Wow. Yep, good old DJ Hyde. Um, if we go to the tag team championship match, which was really good, it was actually the shortest match uh, on the card. It only ran nine minutes and 33 seconds. Mark Coffey and Wolfgang, um, obviously with Joe Coffey, defeated the Creed brothers, uh, Brutus Creed and Julius Creed, um, with Ivy Nile as well. I liked this match. I wish it would have gone a little bit longer. I don't know if it was a situation of time, um, but the NXT champions are so freaking good. Um Mark Coffey and Wolfgang are, are really, really good. So if you're not watching NXT, which I know some people are not big on that, and I know some people aren't super familiar with NXT because there's a lot of international stars. Like, for example, Mark Coffey um, is Scottish. He is um, from across the pond. So I think that 
what they're doing with NXT, because I know it was announced that Triple H and Shawn Michaels are going to announce a new NXT Europe at some point in time. And if it doesn't happen in 2023, um, definitely in 2024. They're getting a lot of great international stars. And I think you're going to see these guys really succeed on the the main roster when they do officially get called up. So I'm excited about that. Um, the Diamond Mine Stable, uh, obviously the Creed Brothers, they're really good oh, as well. Like they're going to be special. They're going to be special. I agree. Like um, not Brutus. What's the other one? Julius. Julius. He's yes. He's got it. He does. He does. You're right. A big match that people were talking about this past weekend was Tiffany Stratton. She defeated, um, gosh, and I'm horrible at saying her name. Um, is it Laura Valkyria? I'm, and Lyra. I'm, probably, I'm, Lyra. I'm Vira. Okay, I'm probably butchering the hell out of that. Um, but that obviously was in a tournament um, that they had for uh, on on television for a while now. So it was it was really interesting. It was the finals for the vacant NXT Women's Championship, which unfortunately had to be vacated because the former champion obviously got promoted onto the WWE main roster. So great, great match. Unfortunately, it was uh, it was relegated the least amount of time. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, that was the most amount of time on the whole show, um, which was great. So the Tiffany Stratton, I mean, she's still fairly young. I think she's only 22 or 23. She is, she's got a lot of upside, very pretty woman, and she can wrestle. She, I mean, she's been going very long. She's still green, but she's made significant improvements, leaps and bounds. Well, and I think that what they're trying to do with this is they're trying to really build her up early on so she could probably be the next big star that's going to carry the NXT brand because, I mean, she's a former bodybuilder. All She was also a gymnast. She's got a lot of great qualities. And as you said before, she's definitely got a good look to her as well. So I think that she is going to be somebody that's going to be able to carry um, the championship for, for quite a while, obviously, because it you know was vacated. So She looks um, a lot like Trish when Trish was younger. You almost wonder if that was a Vince McMahon thing. Possibly. Um, Trif- uh, Tiffany Stratton was also trained by Greg Gagne as well. Um, she was also um, a part of the graduating group in the WWE Performance Center in 2021. So, Greg Gagne was damn good. Greg Gagne was good. And a lot of times when you have second generation, you know, obviously your dad's the booker and, and the world champion. There's a lot of nepotism that happens here, but Greg Gagne was able to hold his own, and I think he handled it very, very well. Um, and then finally in the main event, Carmelo Hayes, which is the NXT uh, champion, um, defeated Braun Breaker by pinfall. The match goes 14 minutes and 14 seconds. I thought the match was good. Um, there's a lot of speculation right now that, that breaker is, is going to be making his move to the main roster now, which kind of surprised me because you did those big call-ups before yet breaker wasn't ready, but yet the very next pay-per-view breaker is now allegedly ready. A little surprising on that one. Um, but I mean, what else are you going to do? You want to continue to push Carmelo Hayes? Braun's got to go because you have to bring somebody else up. That's going to be able to compete because, the whole concept of NXT is, is one guy pulling the next guy up and getting the next guy over. And once you've gotten to that certain level, 
there's nothing more for you to attain there, right? So Braun is going to be moving up to the main roster, which I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see what happens. Braun's good. Got a great look. He's, he's uh, developing the um, well, shitty attitude gimmick type of thing. I mean, he can wrestle. That suplex is galore. I mean, he's, he's a throwback to his dad and his uncle. Really? Yeah. That's that's about what it is. It's just a throwback to that. And they were half decent, you could say. No, they had a good run. Right. And and that's exactly he reminds me more of his uncle than his dad. Really. Well, and that's what I was just about to say. He reminds me more of Scott Steiner than he does Rick. Yes. Um, but I mean it's in the bloodline, so uh, no pun intended. So it's not it's not that far off. But um yeah, Braun is Braun is the real deal. And I'm excited for him. I'm hopefully uh, he'll do well on the main roster. But once again, we don't know. I mean, it's just like draft picks. You, you hope things work out, but sometimes things don't always uh, end up going the way you, you think they're going to go. But best of luck with Braun Breaker as he moves on from NXT. It was a great pay-per-view overall. I think a lot of people were very happy with it. Some people actually rated it the, the best pay-per-view of the weekend. Um I liked it. I thought it was really good. I really did also like the the NX, or the um, Impact Wrestling pay per view as well. Obviously, I'm going to be personally slightly biased to uh, to AEW, um, you know. But we'll, we'll get into that next. Before we move on here, what's your uh, what was your thoughts on the first two pay per views? I mean, obviously, they all had things that were good. They all had some things that were might maybe a little bit weaker. Um, but what was your, what was your favorite match between each one of these? Um, my favorite match, I guess be Macklin and PCO would be my favorite match of it all. You want to know what my favorite match on NXT was, yes. it was dragging off and D Jack versus D Jack. I don't know if I said that right or not. Die Jack. Die Jack. Yes. Their last man standing match. They beat the piss out of each other. Last man standing matches are normally a lot of fun. Oh, that was vicious when Dijak had him in the corner and he was laying in with the kendo stick, and you could see the bruising already. That was a very good match, very physical match. To me, that was the highlight of the Battleground pay-per-view. But I like Macklin PCO match. I that was I would have went with that as my match of the whole weekend out of all the pay-per-views. No, I mean I, I I can't argue with you because once again, great, great choice on on both of those. We move on to AEW's Double or Nothing, which was a big, big pay-per-view that uh, was from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. A lot of different storylines were coming into this one as well. Uh, there was a lot of question whether or not Orange Cassidy was going to retain the International World Championship. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll also talk about what the buy-in match was, which I think was very interesting as well. Unfortunately, it also uh, we have to discuss another situation that's happening with Jeff Hardy. Um, so we'll kind of get into all that. So the buy-in match had the Hardys and Hook taking on Ethan Page and the Guns. Now, the stipulation in this match was is if um, the Hardys and Hook won, that they would actually own the contract to Ethan Page. 
which once again, I don't know why we continue with this whole thing. I think we should just leave it, but I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting match. It was an okay match. I didn't think anything was wrong with it. Um, I really like Hook. I really do. And Matt Hardy definitely is in more of the mentor role in his later aspects of his career now, as opposed to being a big-time in-ring guy, but he can still go. Jeff had a couple of issues. Um, there were issues whether or not uh, his knee was 100%. He slipped on the top rope, and he never really kind of regained himself. Um, he did finish the match, but it, it looked like he was hobbling around. And when he slipped on that top rope, he was laying on the outside for quite a while. So hopefully everything is going to be okay with him. Um, but Hook uh, ends up winning with uh, the Red Rum. He ends up putting it on Ethan Page. Ethan Page immediately goes ahead and submits. Uh, the Witcher Report gives this match a C. I didn't really have a problem with this match. Once again, it's a it's a warm up match just to kind of get the crowd going. But um, I have my own opinions on the pillars, and I'm going to talk about that after we get done talking about the pay per view because I think that. The pillars might not necessarily be the correct people. Um, we move on to the 21-man Blackjack Battle Royal for the AEW International Championship. So the story with this is that Orange Cassidy is one of, or if not the most uh, prolific champions who's defended his championship. And he's taken on all comers. I mean, he just took on Roosh recently in a great match. Uh, he took on Buddy Matthews in a great match that happened recently on Dynamite as well. Well, the match itself had the Butcher and the Blade, Bandito. It had Keith Lee, had Dustin Rhodes. Um, it had uh, Lee Moriarty. It had uh, a whole bunch of people. I mean, the best friends were in it. Kip Sabian was in it. Swerve, uh, Brian Cage, uh, Ricky Starks. Um, Orange Cassidy retains, and it was between he and uh, Swerve Strickland. And he ends up eliminating Swerve at the very end. Crowd was into this match big time. I'm going to tell you right now, I like Orange, but I've also been kind of difficult. I mean, not difficult on him, hard on him as far as him being the champion still. That I think that it might be time to change the championship. I thought that it might have put it on a Switchblade Jay White at this point in time in this match. It would have been a perfect opportunity. Put it on a Ricky Starks. It would have been a perfect opportunity. But they decided to keep with Orange Cassidy. Let me throw this out to you, but when it comes to guys like Juice Robinson and Switchblade Jay White and Ricky Starks and a guy who really should be getting more of a push, um, it Big Bill, uh, W. Morrissey, so many people that that championship could be on do you think it's a good idea to continue to keep it with Orange Cassidy? I'm very torn on that. Um, realistically, I think probably not. There are other options. Not that Orange Cassidy is not a good wrestler. Not that he's not over. But you got you got to look. So I'm just looking at the um, the complete people that were in the the Battle Royal. So you had Big Bill. Brian Cage, don't forget. Yes. Ricky Starks, Jay White, Juice Robinson. You mean to tell me you're not going to put the belt on one of them? They're just going to play second fiddle to Orange Cassidy? They can't. Is is that what you brought uh, Juice and Jay over from from Japan for, for 
Amen. To job them out. Amen. I agree. I I don't I don't understand that personally. I mean, Big Bill is what you want these days. Once again, we, we talked about it. Big man. Well, Big Bill. But he's a big dude. He can wrestle. You know, you, you got to push him at some point. Brian Cage, I don't know what has gone wrong there. That just went right to shit. His whole run with AEW. Well, I mean, the job out Ricky Starks. I was see that's the other thing. I mean, Ricky Starks is about as hot as it can be. Now, Ricky, as you know, was is in a feud right now with uh, Bullet Club Gold, which is Jay White and um, Switchblade and um, Juice Robinson. So I don't know if they're kind of holding off on that, you know, putting a championship on him or the other ones until this feud is done. But yeah, there's so many guys that you could have gone in so many different directions. So leave Jay White. Juice Robinson and Ricky out of it all together. Is Nigel can't come up with three other people to throw in there to be sacrificial lambs, and that way these guys who have great value can stay significant. Well, I, you'd be further had not to have them on the pay per view at all, as opposed to throw them into a battle royal or have them lose. Because well, I mean, generally speaking, your battle royal yes. for the most is you just throw a bunch of talent together. It's a filler. Yes. Usually, not always, but usually that's how it works. So, those guys are just filler? Uh, I don't know. Keith Lee, Keith Lee was somebody who you had high hopes for, and he was a big sign. And he was tag team champions with Swerve, but then they never really continued the build up between them and their feud. And you're telling me that Keith Lee is not somebody you would put the international championship on. He's lost a ton of weight. The man looks really good. He's gone with a silver fox look, which which is fine. And did you ever hear the story of why he decided to go gray? No. He started going gray very young in his life. I want to say like late teenage years. And he has died it ever since then. And he's gotten to the point where he's tired of not being able to be who he is. And I guess in WWE looks are a big thing you know cosmetics but uh i guess he had a conversation with tony khan and he said look i just want to be me and if it means going into a new direction with my persona it's fine but i don't want to feel like i continue to to you know dye my hair all the time because you could see that like and i mean i dye my beard which is there's no surprise there but the the point is is that man that that's a lot of maintenance to keep up with and I just like Keith Lee tremendously. I think he should at least be in the, the championship conversation without without a doubt. You got Bandito as well. well. He's He gave a recent interview. He said he's very happy in AEW, but he says his ultimate goal is to get to WWE. Why would you say that in an interview? I have no idea. Open uh, mouth, insert foot. I have no idea, but um, that may be going against him. Yeah, but... But he's another one. I I know nothing about him, but he was huge in, in Mexico. Hey, the and problem. The problem he comes is, up and eh, thanks for coming out. But I I just have a problem with like you know a lot of people say well AEW fans are the smarter fans, meaning they watch more than just you know WWE people. Just it, this is the knock, whether it's true or not. This is probably not for everyone. Most WWE people just watch WWE and they're in that WWE bubble. 
with AEW and I think Impact Wrestling, because they're open and talent moves back and forth, you do become more interested. Oh, I like this guy. Well, he went over to feud with such and such in this promotion. Therefore, let me take a look at this promotion. So you get more of an exposure to other companies. But you're right. Bandito is huge. He's a legend. And uh, I think he's just as big as the the Lucha Brothers, who uh, are Ring of Honor tag cha- champions. But how he's not going to be getting some type of movement, I don't know. But um, Bleacher Report, let's see the grade. Bleacher Report gives us one a C plus. I liked it. The crowd was into it. That's the one thing I will say. The crowd was into it. Unfortunately, it just didn't end up turning out to be something that uh, many of the pundits liked, but I I personally liked it. I just think it would have been better if there would have been a title change. That's got to happen soon. It does. And and he doesn't need to be champion to be over. Again, he is already over. So even if he's not the title carrier, I think the whole point with the championship is to get someone over with the audience. He's already there. I think he could make somebody else in a feud. Um, We moved on to a match that kind of surprised me. It was the unsanctioned match with Chris Jericho taking on Adam Cole with Sabu. This match definitely did not live up to what I was hoping for either. Um, The match itself, first of all, Sabu was out there. He came out with uh, Adam Cole. And then obviously the Jericho Appreciation Society came out. And then Roderick Strong came out. And there was this big brawl before the match really got started. And then they all kind of brawled to the back. And they left just Jericho and Adam Cole together. And and they had a good match. Don't get me wrong. I didn't think it was the match that they had hoped it would be. Uh, I'm sure that if they had a match, if they wrestled 100 times, I think 99 of them would have been better than this one. Um. Adam Cole looked good, but I just don't, it just didn't have that excitement, if that makes sense. It was very, the crowd was very interested into the Battle Royal, but then all of a sudden there was no in between match. It was like right to this one. Uh, Jericho always does a great job with getting stars over, which Adam Cole already is. But if you remember, the storyline behind this match was. The Jericho Appreciation Society obviously had uh, found an alliance with the outcasts, and they went ahead and they um, beat the tar out of the outcasts. Did They beat the tar out of Britt Baker, and Adam Cole was handcuffed, and so he had to watch Britt get beat. So the whole storyline was how was Adam Cole going to get his revenge? Britt Baker did come out and beat the tar out of Chris Jericho with a kendo stick in this match to the point where there were huge red welts all over. I mean, when I say she took him to the proverbial woodshed, um, Jericho is going to be having those welts for quite some time. I mean, he definitely, he took his lumps like a champion. Um, Adam Cole ends up winning with the boom. He does twice. One without a chain and the second one with a chain starts to ground and pound. And it was a referee stoppage um, because Jericho wasn't defending himself. They tried to go for the UFC ending of the match uh, where Aubrey has to jump in and and take control of it. Not really what I was hoping for. I was hoping for a a definite Adam Cole victory with a one, two, three count. 
I think it's interesting when you get creative with finishes, but I also think that sometimes if you make the wrong choice, it can definitely leave people with a what the hell just happened feeling. Um, but I want to also get your take on this. Sabu had said a lot of controversial things on social media over the last several years. And some things have been a little uh, unsavory, but they, they still brought him in. And a lot of people on social media were kind of confused you know, with, with Tony Khan. For example, they didn't bring in Brian Kendrick when they were at Daly's place because there had been some controversy surrounding him and his comments. But then again, a lot of these comments resurface of what Sabu had said, yet he was still brought in. Um, do you think that was basically a Jericho override and said, look, you know, I think this would be a great thing or what, what would the reason and the rationale be to bring in a Sabu? Shit. I don't know. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to bring Sabu in. There's no connection. It's not like he's feuded with both of them. He's unfinished business. Your your real only connection is he lives in Vegas. Yeah. The event was in Vegas. Yep. That is your only real connection. What I personally think it is. Let me rethink my wording on this for a second. It was so we, we know Tony Khan was a huge ECW. Huge. I think it was a matter of him extending an olive branch. Sabu gave, he gave a lot to the rest of the world. I agree. And hasn't done well in the last little bit. No, Melissa Coates passing away to COVID and whatnot. And I don't think Sabu was the best with his finances. And he can't wrestle anymore. And he's, he's pretty beat up. I personally think it was a matter of Tony Khan going like, listen, we're going to be in Vegas anyhow. Come in, do something. Doesn't need to do a lot. He, probably, he really can't do a lot because he's pretty beat up now. He did and jump off the top rope and go through a table, which I thought was insane for someone like that to do. Didn't, did he not just get a bunch of pieces replaced not long ago? He did. He is very bionic. He, he should not do that. That's not a good idea. But I, I think a lot of it was it's just a matter of he was trying to to help. That's my take on it. Because nothing else makes sense. Yeah. What, what else? What else would make any logic whatsoever? I don't know. Yeah, uh, Bleach Report ends up giving this match as well a C. So, so far, we're starting off the show. Uh, the Battle Royal gets a C+. Uh, the Jericho match gets a C. We move on to the Tag Team Championship match, which was FTR defending against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Before we kind of go into this, uh, Mark Briscoe is the special guest referee between the two. Listen. I'm done with the guys in their 50s and 60s wrestling on cards, with the exception of Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn is the exception to the rule. Billy Gunn looks like he's 35. He's ripped. He's chiseled. Jeff Jarrett can absolutely still wrestle. There's no doubt about that. Still in very, very good shape. The point is, is that I'm done. I've seen the Jeff Jarrett shtick. I've seen it. 
I've seen the Karen Jarrett stuff. I've seen all of that. Um, he was hired, obviously, to be working with booking the different arenas and the live shows. I think he should stay to that. I don't necessarily think, and this is just my opinion, that the Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt group is working. And we've talked about this before. Jay Lethal should be on his own. Jay Lethal is good enough to be on his own. He does not need Jeff Jarrett. Sanjay Dutt is part of the creative team with Tony Khan, which is great. I'm glad Tony's opening himself up to hearing other people's input. But Satnam Singh, I mean, what are we doing with Satnam Singh? He's just this, this big guy. He's not imposing. He's not a monster. He, he is basically just a plus one. He does the knee slap and point to the air. I have no idea what the hell that's supposed to mean. Um, the match itself really was, the crowd was dead. The crowd was quiet. And they didn't really start getting into it till the very end with the false finishes and whatnot. Needless to say, FTR uh, retains their tag team championship. Um, Bleacher Report gives this one a C plus. Not much to really say about this one. Uh, I just wish, I feel like there's so many other tag teams you could have put in the situation. I mean, you could have put, you know, let's start building the Aussie Open into this. I mean, I know there's some injuries going on right now, but you could have built in, you could have put Butcher and Blade in there who are a freaking amazing tag team. You could have put a lot of people, but I don't know the fascination with Jeff Jarrett and, uh, and Jay Lethal. Um, what's your take on this? I mean, I feel like, Sometimes in wrestling cards, you have your main roster, and then you have that nostalgia aspect. Do you think you got to be careful with that before you water it down too much? I don't have an issue with the nostalgia factor. I actually totally enjoy it. However, I don't get why you have your nostalgia act, which is what Double J is. Correct. He's still damn good, but he's he's a nostalgia thing at this point. Yes. In the title picture. As such a prominent uh, member of the program, Amen. Jay Lethal doesn't, no, like you said, doesn't need to be fussing with this. Jay Lethal's amazing. Yes, amazing, and he knows all about how how high outlets should be on a wall. He's he's very good at that. I don't know if you remember that episode or not. I remember it vividly. That's, in the, that that's in the archives. Jay Lethal gives me a hard time about my dining room. Anyway, moving yes. on. But but outside of me picking at you again, Jay Lethal's fantastic. He, he doesn't agree. need to be fussing with this. He no. really doesn't. Santi Dutt, he's turning into a perfect pissant manager that you want to see somebody smack the piss out of, which is perfect. Satnam Singh's getting wasted, unfortunately. You could turn him into the monster heel. Or monster face, for that matter. You can do something with him. He's big. You can't teach big. No, it's a you start. Correct. I'm not saying he's going to turn into a great technical. He's not going to be William Regal. But you can take a man that's built like him and develop him into a serviceable wrestler. And unfortunately, with this faction... It's not happened. If you're going to keep Double J around, which is fine. Double J, he, he's a great wrestling mind. You know, he's been around forever. His dad was a promoter. Was his 
aunt or something, not a promoter too, I, I believe, believe, or yes. grandmother or something yep, or another. Grandmother. You know, he's grown up in the fa in in the industry. Family's always been around. He's got a great mind. He knows a lot. Perfect. Tap into that. Just hold on a second as much as he gives me grief about technical issues happening on my side the butster's got some technical issues happening on his side he's got some tech issues here hold on a second butster it's that dial-up he's got that canadian dial-up i don't know what's going on with this so let's let's try to get this going here all right at&t patch up the butt one more time Wow, that didn't sound right. All right, let's see if we can get it back on the line here. He says he's out. He always tells me I'm sitting right, right next to my router. You know what? I'm calling bullshit. Butster, are you there? It's, it's right there. I'm here. The router is okay. literally right by my feet. Right. I don't know what else to do. Yep. Buy a new laptop. Neither do I. Neither do I. That's why you sound like uh, you still use AOL Instant Messenger. Is that rumor true? I've never used AOL Instant Messenger. Thank you. So, back to Satnam Singh. Um, anyway, Satnam Singh is just getting wasted. Use them. You've got to use them for something. You have them there. Use them. Develop them. You know, send them to Dustin Rhodes' school. Send them to Jerry's school. Something. Develop them. He could be one of Jerry's kids. He could be one of Jerry's kids. God help us all. Right. For those of you who are uh, under 50, you probably didn't get that joke. But um, but you can do something with them as just being wasted. Them, yes. And it just doesn't make any sense. You don't need Double J in the title picture. If you want to keep him around, sure. Have him do a match here, a match there. That's perfect. He will help your younger talent. He has a lot to give. Mm -hmm. Let's let's stick to the backstage and a match here and a match there. Not every week. Not being one of the fixtures of the tag team picture. No, we don't need Double J on TV every week. We don't need him being one of the main matches on a pay per view. Amen. Let's just move on from that. Uh, like I said before, Bleacher Report gives that match a C+. Going to move on to a match that kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, they've been playing hot potato with the TNT Championship. Obviously, you know, it had gone back and forth uh, multiple times. And now Wardlow has it yet again. Once again, where's Powerhouse Hobbs? Unless he's injured, where is he? He wasn't even in the Battle Royal. That kind of surprised me. It's kind of bothersome, to be honest with you. I feel like the man got screwed out of this championship. They put it back on Wardlow because I guess they felt like Wardlow is, quote-unquote, the guy, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Jim Ross definitely thinks very highly of Wardlow being potentially a champion. Um, you, you really screwed the pooch when you had the Max versus Wardlow match, and he powerbombed him 10 times and pinned him, and that was it. That was screwier than hell, but... He ends up taking on Christian Cage in a ladder match for the TNT Championship. Um, and in the corner of Christian Cage was Luchasaurus. 
the match was interesting. Um, it really did not get a whole lot of reaction from the audience. There was some pretty dangerous spots. Uh, Wardlow got on top of one of the really tall ladders, like the 20-some-odd-foot ladder, and did a uh, swanton into a table which Christian was on, which was a big one. There was some back body drops on ladders themselves. I don't think Christian at his age should be should be doing that. I don't think Wardlow should honestly be doing stuff like that for the simple fact that it's just, it feels like it's a shock and awe type of match. Do you know what I mean? I, f- I feel like when you see something like this, you're, you're tuning in because you know it's going to be a train wreck and someone's going to get hurt. And, I mean, Wardlow wins, which, I mean, there's no big surprise there. I didn't think they were going to put the championship on Christian. But, again, I wasn't that interested. It just did not... There's not enough of a buildup, really, to make me invested emotionally in seeing Christian Cage and Wardlow. And and that kind of worries me because if they don't have somebody else in the pipeline right now, what's Tony Khan's goal with the TNT Championship? That's a great question. That's the TNT Championship. It just hasn't panned out well. It's It's been jumped around and passed around and a little too much at a certain point when you when you do this with the title it loses its prestige mm-hmm. it, it becomes irrelevant it was like the hardcore title the WWE had back in the attitude era it really didn't mean anything at a certain point but you knew it was probably going to change hands three times on Monday night uh, that's what's happening uh, I'll let Wardlow He's, I think he's turning into a poor man's Batista. You text, I'm pretty sure I sent you that text. You did. Night. You text me that and you said, is he becoming like the dollar general version? Was that what I said? Yes, of Batista, just because, I mean, there's a lot of similarities with but that. Even his, his entrance is the same. The entrance is like, uh, yeah. Come on, man. Like, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where you go with this match or where you go after this match. Um, Luchasaurus, maybe I could. I could see them. I'm not saying it's a good answer, Mike. Don't screw up your face like that with me. I'm not screwing up, <laughs> but uh, I don't know where you go. I, you can't run back to Powerhouse Hobbs. I don't think uh, that ran its course. Um, well. The MJF thing that that can't happen now. MJF's the champion, and you got no story to that. I I don't know what to do with Wardlow. Really, you couldn't put the title. Well, you could have put the title on Christian, had him a short term run, just so you could move forward with a with a storyline of something. I must say it was a great option, but it was an option. Uh, they just screwed everything up with Wardlow. <laughs> to put it simple, everything got screwed up. And now I think they're kind of trying to put the title on the guy that they wanted to be something, but they just didn't make him something properly. It's, a it's almost like a participation trophy at this point. Yes. 
and it's unfortunate. So the world was good. And when I say the Dollar General Batista, I'm not saying that to cut him up, but just his gimmick is turning very Batista-like. Yeah. Right? You know, no, the I'm... power bombs, you know, he, you know, the mannerisms and stuff like that. It's just turning a little too similar. And I think they should go a different route. Kind of have a repackage champion. Uh, I don't know how you would do that. And if you take the belt off him, I don't know who you'd give it to. I don't know how you make something up to have him give it to somebody. It's just a bit of a mess, what they've done with that title and what they've done with Wardlow. I really don't know where to go from here, honestly. It's, it's That's a conundrum. It is. I agree with you. It's... uh. It's a situation of he was originally hot. We talked about this organically. And then all of a sudden, you missed the opportunity. And now it's like you're trying to force him to become what he once was. And sometimes you can't capture lightning in a bottle a second time. If you miss the opportunity, sometimes you just miss the opportunity. Um, once again, that match itself was given a C. Um, Bleacher Reporter Savages. Man, they are not giving nothing out. We move on to the AEW Women's World Championship. Jamie Hayter takes on Tony Storm of the Outcasts now at one point in time, and I still think to some degree right now, Jamie Hayter has been one of the most organically over wrestlers in AEW. Um, She was a lackey, if you want to call her that, to Britt Baker, and then obviously she started to kind of come out on her own. And she has been one of the most dominant women wrestlers, not only just in AEW, but in, in women's wrestling in general. Tony Storm is no joke, and she's no slouch. She's been a great wrestler from uh, her time in WWE before she decided to ask for her release and leave. But she's been great. And this match itself was really good. Now, it obviously was not without its controversy. The outcasts did get involved. And you have a new world champion. It is Tony Storm. She defeats Jamie Hayter, and um, the Outcasts celebrate in the ring as that match ended. Uh, Bleacher Report gives us one a B minus. It says it actually was one of the best book match of the night because it just had so much intrigue. Butster, I'm not sure what your thoughts are about the Outcasts, about a female faction. But I felt like Ruby Soho really wasn't getting over as being a baby face. And I think Tony Storm tried to get over, and she was to a certain degree as a baby face when the Thunder Rosa situation was going on. I mean, people were really behind her. But then that kind of started to cool off. And then Soraya came in, and everybody was pro Soraya. And it was like, you know what? Maybe we should go in a different direction with her because they started to change Britt Baker from being a heel to being a face and you didn't want to have face versus face right so you change Soraya you put her with this group here and obviously they're all former WWE people as well and I think that faction is getting to the point where I really like them I don't know how you feel I don't know how the other listeners feel about it I like the faction I like the fact that she got the championship in a dastardly way at this point in time, it's going to be now the chase to who is going to dethrone Tony Storm uh, for the championship. So what's your take on taking the belt off of Jamie Hayter? And do you think that's nothing more than just a buildup for maybe Wembley? 
That's an interesting take. I never thought about the Wembley route. Um, Hayter's hurt, is she not? I think she's legitimately hurt. Um, I don't have a whole lot of information. Let me look here. I know I I seen it earlier today when I was flipping through online. Uh, Could be a work, who knows these days, but I I thought she is. Um, I have no issues with the women's faction. I enjoy it. It's something different. I just wish they went a different route than the NWO knockoff. That would have been something to spray paint, the three. That's played out. That was played out 20 years ago when the NWO happened. So, but I, I definitely enjoy them as a faction. I mean, three very talented wrestlers. Um, you're right on the fact that they had to do something with them. Uh, Ruby Soho looks like a heel. Yeah, she does. She's got the heel look. Yes. So it's kind of hard to make her a baby face. Uh, Soraya's got a heel look. Tony, you could make her a face or a heel. Um, the fact that they have the connection that they're from WWE, so you, you put them together, it makes sense. I just wish they'd give up with the spray paint and stuff like that. Firstly, just let's move away from that. Have your faction, the three of you, that's fine. But the outcasts, awful lot like the outsiders. The spray paint, awful lot like the outsiders and Hulk Hogan. It does seem like he's taking a lot of WCW stuff as well from... And I don't know if you you heard this, but Eric Bischoff really doesn't like the fact that he's taking a lot of WCW uh, concepts. Um, but once again, to each their own. Um, but to, to get back to what you were saying before, it was, in fact, Jamie Hader was injured. Um, and that's why when her music first hit, she did not originally come out. And then they hit her music a second time. She finally came out. But she came out as she was on her hands and knees as she was getting beat up by the outcast other members. Um, so it was all in an attempt to show that she was injured before the match even happened and that she obviously needs to take a little bit of time off. Um, it was also reported, now this is on MSN, that Jamie Hayter's uh, injury uh, is going to require time off, hopefully not too much, um, because she's a native for England. So I think that it would be perfect if... So that's not going to be happening until August 27th. So I'm hoping maybe she'll be healed by then, because... And they haven't named a single match for that yet. And obviously ticket sales have slowed down. I think, what did we say they were at before? 63, 64,000? Yeah, something around there. I think personally, once you start announcing matches, I think you're going to get more. And um, I think having Jamie Hayter on there, a hometown girl, I think is going to be a big deal. I think putting Soraya on the show is going to be a big time deal. I think they're really going to put a lot of international stars on that show who are homegrown. Um, And I think it's going to be, that's going to draw a lot of people in. Hayter you have to put on, even if it's, for a management role or a run-in, if she can't put off a match, you have to. I agree. Soraya, um, what's her brother's name? Zodiac. Um, uh, Zach Zodiac, I believe is his wrestling name. Soraya's okay. brother. They'll probably have, I could see him being on. Because don't forget, her family are a pretty big deal. 
They are. Are they not? Or they were? Yes. Anyhow. Yes. So I'm sure. Sure, he'll get in there to some extent. I don't know how, because that's going to be a big card. I bet you that's going to be like a four-hour card or something. Oh, I have no doubt about that. They're, they're not going to run this off as a two-hour, six-match. I show. also. Like it's going to be a big production. I'm also wondering if there might not be some type of a trade-off or whatever, and Nick Aldis shows up. I mean, it, it that would not. You never know. Um, let's move on. What was that? That'd be fun. It would be. Uh, let's move on to the AEW World Trios Championship match, and it was an open house rules match, which means the House of Black did not have opponents. They basically left it open to any three who wanted to take them on for the championships, and who came out but the acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Uh, I thought that they had a really, really good match. It Back and forth, the one thing that they did really well, and when you look at Max Caster and you look at Anthony Bowens, Max Caster definitely can wrestle, but he's really kind of like the the jokester of the two. So if you're if you're comparing the acclaimed versus uh, the New Age Outlaws, okay, because I think there can be comparisons made. I think Road Dog is more of the Max Caster, and I think Anthony Bowen is more of the Billy Gunn. Anthony Bowen shined like a freaking star. He is so good. It would not if they decided to move Anthony Bowen into uh, doing more singles matches. He's just that good. He is that over. Um, they they played the sympathy card right here. He tried to make tags every single time he tried to make a tag. They would pull him back. Uh, Billy and Max tried to get in to make the tags. It didn't work. Referee would cut them off. No tag. And they really built it up. And they built him up to being really good at taking a lot of punishment. And when he finally got that hot tag... It was it was tremendous, but in the end, um, the House of Black ends up retaining their trios championships in a match that I thought was really good. Uh, unfortunately, Bleacher Report gave it a C plus. Um, their issues were the lack of story depth. Um, even though there had been some teases, nothing more than that. I don't know. I feel like in some ways when you have an open challenge, I think you could really get anybody. So I don't really feel like there needs to be a whole lot of backstory. Would you agree? Well, it's the point of an open challenge, isn't it? It's the whole thing is to keep hey, it mysterious, right? Anybody come on in. All Correct. comers. Well, if you're looking for a story, an open challenge just doesn't work. That is the story. It's that is the story challenge. right there. We have no idea who it could be. We're, we're going to take on anybody. Hell, it could be three people from Impact. It could be three locals. You don't know. That's that is your story it doesn't need to be more than that right if you're looking for a story open challenge just doesn't work we we move on to the tbs championship which she just crested over 500 days that is jade cargill she is the tbs champion she's been in a feud with taya valkyrie over the uh road to valhalla versus uh jade's move which uh is the exact same finisher they were feuding over that with oh, with uh sharp mark sterling determining that ty of valkyrie uh did not have the copyright reasons to be able to use the finishing move anyway they basically end up having a match with each other i thought it was a good match taya did the job which again i don't think you bring ty of valkyrie in to do jobs um again that's my opinion i think that 
Here's the funny thing. Tony wants to to work for the future, right? Plan for the future. Jade has been wrestling for about two years right now. Taya, much longer than that. Um, I don't feel like she got her just due in NXT as Frankie Monet, and I still don't feel like she's gotten her just due so far in AEW, but that's just my opinion. Uh, the match itself was a good match. I didn't have really a problem with that. The interesting thing which happened at the end was after Jade wins the match, uh, Sharp Mark Sterling comes in the ring and says, you know what, there's really no one else to challenge Jade anymore. We vanquished every woman who possibly could uh, potentially dethrone her. She's the longest reigning champion, etc. Well, who ends up coming out? But Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander accepts it. The referee rings the bell. In about 30 seconds, Chris Statlander defeats Jade Cargill, and she is the new TBS champion. They pulled a, uh, a Hogan-Yokozuna-Bret Hart thing. Uh, so a title change with a new person um, unexpectedly coming out. Bleacher Report gives the match a B uh, just because it was exciting, it was uplifting, and it was neat to see um, Chris Statlander back. She got a great pop from the audience. What uh, What is your take on this? Obviously having a match and then all of a sudden having another match. Uh, two things. One, love the Statlanders back. Yes. Two, so glad Cardell is not champion anymore. Just was not working for me. Didn't do it for me. I could not get invested in that any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think Statlander will be a fantastic champion, providing she can stay healthy. That's the knock on Statlander. This is true. Was she not supposed to be the champion? Well, they had to throw uh, a wrench in the plans when she got hurt, and that's how Cargo became champion. Am I correct you, or close you, now? You are correct. So depending on who you want to listen to, whether it's it's Dave and Brian, who I like to listen to, the original concept was that they were building up Chris Statlander to be uh, the face of the women's division. She was going to be the first inaugural uh, TBS women's champion. Well, fortunately, she got injured again, yet another knee injury, which she's had these before. And she was out for quite some time. And it really kind of derailed the plan. So they decided that they were going to go with an up-and-comer. And uh, they were going to give the Jade. She had great personality, great charisma, not a lot of experience in matches. Therefore, a lot of people had to carry her in matches. I almost feel like there's a lot of parallels between her and the Ultimate Warrior. You know what I mean? Like, they had other people in the, the ring to carry Jade. They had people in the ring to carry Warrior until they got the Warrior and Jade to being a champion. And then, obviously, you know, it was a sink or swim type of deal. I never think that Jade reached the level that I think Tony Khan wanted her to, at least in this first uh, championship run. I think she will because I think she's going to turn babyface, and that's my opinion. I think she's going to turn baby. I think she's going to fire uh, Sharp Mark Sterling, and I think she's going to go out on her own. And I think that she might take a little bit of time off, and then she's going to reappear. And I think she's going to be a babyface. And I think as a babyface, I think she could be even bigger than what she was before. She's got some experience underneath her now. Hopefully she's done some maturing and we'll see what's next. But I actually have really high hopes for, for Jade now. 
I don't know how you would bring her back as as a babyface. Like how how would you do it? I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just don't know how you would do it. You could be. You could. You could basically play it all as. You know, you're not, you know, my mouthpiece anymore. Why did you speak up for me? Why did you say that? I had just beaten Taya. Everything was fine. I was undefeated. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they could get into a verbal dispute and she she could just say, you know what? You're fired. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, what what's going to happen next with Jade? And uh, just take it from there. I think it could be. And I, I might be speaking out of my ass. I, I could I could not know shit from Shinola, but... Uh, it happens. It happens it to the best of us, Mike. It does. Let's go ahead to the main event, which is the AEW World Heavyweight Championship in a Pillars match. Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, MJF, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara. What I do want to tell you, uh, interestingly enough, is uh, Sammy came out with his cue cards, as he used to do early on in his career, especially when they would do picture-in-picture picture during the pandemic uh, at Daly's Place. And... He came out with his wife, Tay Mello, and they announced they are having a baby, that Tay Mello is pregnant. And the crowd was really popping for that. Um, Here's one thing I will say. These guys brought it. They brought it. It was great. I had said it was going to be MJF and three other guys. I was wrong. Jungle Boy, Darby, and Sammy Guevara, if I were to say... Who do I think is who came out of that looking really good? First of all, holy crap, the level of aggression that Darby Allen has is un- unprecedented. The physical ability in looking like a star is Sammy Guevara. And I think the guy who unfortunately struggled the most was Jungle Boy Jack Perry. But I definitely think you have three guys who definitely, if you keep them, are going to be very good as time continues on. But I think Darby and Sammy are definitely very much there. Um, It was a great match. And they all hit huge moves on each other. Um, I don't know who put this match together. I don't know if this was predominantly Max who put it together. But it was phenomenal. So if you have not gotten a chance to watch this... um, you need to watch it because it's really, really good. The match ends with Darby Allen deciding to go for a coffin drop. And Max then slides the championship belt. Uh, I believe it was on top of Jungle Boy. So when he does the um, coffin drop, he ends up cracking his head on the championship belt. Um, and then Max rolls in, throws the belt, pins him one, two, three. It's over. It's kind of a snarky way to win, but it was smart. And that's what what he does. He does smart stuff. And uh, Bleacher Report gives us an A+. Wow. An A+. I thought it was really good. Um, I thought it was great going back and forth. I thought they they hit some great uh, moves on each other. But here's a question I have. When we talk about pillars of AEW, why? And tell me if you agree or disagree. Why is it that Hook isn't considered a pillar? Why is it that Ricky Starks isn't considered a pillar? Why are those two guys not considered 
I mean, I, I'm just talking about the male wrestlers, right? I'm not, I mean, obviously you could talk about if you took the, the women's roster and the men's roster together, I mean, obviously there could be women in there as well, but if just the guys, mm-hmm. why, why are those two guys not considered pillars? That has bothered me for quite a while because it doesn't make any logical sense to me why they can't be. Um, another guy who I think could be a pillar, Anthony Bowen. Gosh, if they if they let him do singles matches, I'm telling you, Anthony Bowen is so over. The audience would adore him as a singles wrestler. Why do you think that there aren't other singles male wrestlers that ever get thrown into this conversation in AEW? I think the reason those four get labeled as the pillars is because right off the get-go, pretty much, they're the four young stud can't-miss prospects. Correct? Like a, Correct. So then it's just right off the get-go, they were labeled as the four pillars, and they're just stuck with, I don't say stuck, but that's not the right word, but they're, they will forever be labeled as the four pillars of AEW. Um, I think Hook, his drawback is he can't talk. Not the greatest interview. Okay. Then again, neither is Jungle Boy. I would, he, I would, I would agree. He's a step that. above Hook. Um, it seems Ricky like Jungle Starks Boy cuts maybe, a promo in the middle of a library. Yeah. So it's, quiet. It's yeah, so weird. quiet. And there's nothing really there. I think Ricky, um, the reason first thing popped into my head as to why he's not one of the pillars is age. He's a bit older than the other four. Uh, Ricky's 32, I believe, or something like that. Versus the other guys are still in your, what, mid-20s? Okay. So that's that's the first thing popping in my head. Could be wrong, but that's there's a certain amount of logic to that. No, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Right. Uh, not that neither one could be a pillar. Uh, realistically, there's three pillars. If I, I agree with you. There, there's there's three pillars right now, true pillars, I think. And the fourth is interchangeable. For a lot of people, you could slide into that spot. I don't know if Jungle Boy truly is. a very good wrestler. Amazing wrestler. Right? Handsome young fella. So boring. His mic work, it's bad. Like it's it's like the school videos you used to watch when you were a young fellow, like the monotone, boring, I'm going to sleep. There's no passion, there's no fire to him, there's no not when he talks anyhow. In the ring, different conversation. Okay. So you say that there's there's three and then the fourth one is interchangeable, right? Would you throw a Daniel Garcia in that category? You could. You could right. very quickly. Here, here's a question. In this, this might not. This is kind of thinking outside the box. Would you potentially throw a? Let me think here. Um, a Tenosuke Takeshita in there. That's a good one. Would you throw a Wardlow in there? No. 
I mean, if, if, if you are planning on at some point in time making Wardlow your guy or being a world champion, I don't know how you couldn't at least consider it. Because they I screwed mean, everything up with Wardlow. So they did. It's not going to have the, um, the fanfare. The, it's, just, it's gone off the rails already. Wardlow's career has. In right. AEW, they've screwed it up. So he doesn't have that same pizzazz as the other ones. He's not got the same upside. Yeah. Perceived upside. Unfortunately, I, I, I could see Wardlow in as, as your fourth pillar. Absolutely. The fourth pillar could be um, Darby Shoes. That's a whole different character in itself. Have you seen those pictures of Darby I mean, Shoes? The platform shoes? Yeah. They're bad, Mike. You're terrible. They're bad. That's his style. I, that's that's fine, but they're bad. Would you consider yourself hip? No. 44 years old, Mike. That doesn't mean anything. My, my idea of comfort is Carhartt. Okay. I mean, I, I am not going to disagree. That's yeah. a great brand. I, I'm just kind of curious of, of why... You know why it's just has to be them, and once again, that's it's a why, playoff of what they did in New Japan as well. So if a lot why of why can't one of your pillars be an established veteran, Jericho, Mox, who's okay, going to be putting the younger generation. Well, I'm well. What I develop would them. what I would say is I think that that kind of goes against what your your statement was he's a little bit older, right? I mean, well, what you said for Ricky Starks, you said Ricky's absolutely. probably what, 32? No, no, and I'm not saying I necessarily, but I'm saying why couldn't you? Because you got to think part of the pillar of a company is you have to develop people, right? Right. So if you take somebody like your Jericho, who's going to teach them to help them get over, that's a major learning thing to where that, that's a pillar of your company is to teach and develop. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, just throwing it out there. There's a certain thought process you could go down that route to go with somebody like that. I don't know. Or it could be completely talking on my ass. No, I don't think you are. I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to what you're saying before. Um, you know, obviously it's people that you're wanting to build up that you think are going to be the future of your company, which I agree. But I think once again, we're starting to learn that the future of your company does not necessarily have to be somebody who's the youngest on the roster as well. It can be somebody who is a little bit older. Um, but Ricky Starks could slide in as your fourth pillar very just, easily and would Ricky fit Starks in perfectly. So good. Right. Um, I was trying to think. I don't Bowens. I no. I wouldn't go Bowens. Uh, not that he's not good. He's a tag team wrestler. If he were individual, possibly. But he, you, I wouldn't go with him right now. Um, Hook. I personally wouldn't have him as my fourth pillar. I can see the argument. He's very very good. I just, I wouldn't go with him. If it were me, 
perfect world, I'm making your four pillars. We'll go Darby. We're going MJF, of course. We're going Sammy. I personally would go with Ricky. I think that makes the best sense. You can push Ricky. You could have Ricky take the belt off of Wardlow. And that'd be a-okay. It's not like you're taking a step back. You I'd can have, have no Ricky problem with take that. the belt off of Orange Cassidy. I'd have no problem with that. You're not, and it's not like it's a step back. Nope. You know, it'll it'll probably be a, an improvement. Honestly, because I think he's a better wrestler than either one of the other two. He's definitely a better talker. Well, on, I think the, on whole, the mic, he's he's better well, on the mic than he's in the ring. The whole concept, I think, with Orange Cassidy is that he's so laid back that I don't think he really wants to talk, if that makes sense. No, and that's true. So, um, I want to get to the main event here because the main event, which is interesting, was Anarchy in the Arena, which was the elite, which was Hangman Adam Page, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega taking on the Blackpool Combat Club, which was Claudio Castagnoli, uh, Wheeler Yuta, Brian Danielson, and John Moxley. This was in freaking sane. It went everywhere. I really, really liked it. Um, there was a lot of violence. There was definitely blood. Um, I believe it was Matt Jackson ended up having an exploding sneaker, a super kick he did, which was actually, it worked. But I think a lot of people, after what happened at Daly's Place a couple years ago, I think people were like, okay, AEW, let's stay away from anything exploding because this is... No sparklers? No sparklers. Um, the match was great. Like I said, it was super violent. It went all out through the arena, all out and through uh, the ring time area. Um, there was a surprise person who got involved at the very end um, that went ahead and turned on the Elite and ended up... We don't know if they're going to join the combat club or not, but it's... Uh, Takeshita, Kanosuke Takeshita, went ahead and uh, sealed the win for the Blackpool Combat Club. So they went ahead and they defeated the Elite. It was a match that I really enjoyed. Um, I mean, there was they spilled out of the arena as well into the parking lot. It was just fun. It's one of those deals where it was fun. Um, Bleacher Report gives it a C. So Bleacher Report basically gives every match a C except for the Pillars match, which got an A+, and then the women's match, which got a B. Everything else was a C. Um, so you're probably looking at a, a C pay-per-view uh, if you're looking at it from the perspective of Bleacher Report. I don't necessarily agree. I enjoyed the pay-per-view tremendously. Uh, there was about 11,000 fans in the arena which um, I don't think it was a sellout, but I think it did pretty well. Um, I was happy with it. Then again, I'm, I'm pro AEW, so I'm clearly going to look at it from maybe a, a slightly biased perspective. But I liked it. It was fun. Um, I didn't have any issues with it whatsoever. There was a picture posted. That was Elvarez posted it. It was a shot. Uh, I forget what match it was, and there was nobody in the stands. It was bad. Let's see if I can pull it up. I'll send it to you. Terrible. Whoever did the camera work on that ought to be shot. 
Jesus, that's a little extreme. <laughs> it was bad. Like it looked like they it looked like it was an indie show in a gym somewhere. My God, Butster. I'm just being honest with you, Mike. I I hear you. I mean, uh, ah, I see. Uh, let me see if this is what I'm looking at. I'm just trying to pull it up here. Trying to see if I no, that's not what I'm looking at. Trying to find uh, some double or nothing images. I see. I see it on Twitter. I just don't remember who posted it. You said you think Brian Alvarez posted it. I thought it was Alvarez. Okay. Are you sure it could have been photoshopped or? It didn't look like it. Just saying. Some people could be putting some false information out there on the web. Um, as you're looking for that, I want to talk about a couple things that I think are kind of interesting. So um, there was an article that I was reading. It's from the Sportster, and this is by Patrick Coyle Simmons. And this was actually just published today. It says the 10 wrestlers uh, that will not be in AEW one year from today. So I'm just going to throw out a couple of names here. This is who they think is not going to be with the company in one year. And then I want you to tell me if you agree. So they said Angelico, Mercedes Martinez, Anthony Agogo, Griff Garrison, Red Velvet, Parker Bordeaux, Fuego Del Sol, Paige Van Zant, CM Punk. I mean, I would agree with just about all of those. But I mean, they're not really—they're not really stepping out saying that these are going to be big names. I mean, a lot of these guys. No, I mean, I love Mercedes Martinez, but I think she's going to be relocated to Ring of Honor. I don't think Angelico has done anything. Anthony Gogo hasn't done anything. Griff Garrison has been injured. Red Velvet has been relegated to basically a manager. Uh, Parker Bordeaux has not been seen. Fuego hasn't been seen. Paige Van Zant hasn't been seen. Um, so that's who they think will, will not be around in one year from today. Love to know what your thoughts are. Hit me up on social media. I'm at the Mike Freeland, T-H-E-M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. Uh, still trying to recoup from my last uh, Twitter, uh, which I had a lot more followers. Unfortunately, things were going haywire on that thing. And uh, I switched. Now I'm instead of Mike Freeland, I'm at the Mike Freeland. So follow me, give me a follow. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Uh, uh, with Paige Van Zant, going back to her, Vampiro, who was training her, said that she reached out to him to start training again. He said, sure, come on down. And she just didn't bother to show up. Well, I think she's doing some OnlyFans stuff as well, and I, I, I think that she's making some money in a lot easier of a way. And... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if her heart and soul is in pro wrestling, to be honest with you. It's Maybe fun. not, but still. Well, I think necessarily she was going to be amazing to begin with. I was. I think she was going to light the world on fire. No. No, by no she, means. She was pretty talented. I mean, I think she... I think the big misconception with a lot of people is, oh, you know, when it comes to people who come from combat sports... You know, they're really, really good. 
um, in combat sports, so therefore they're going to be really, really good in pro wrestling. That's not always the case. That's not always the case at all because, I mean, Ronda Rousey was kind of the exception to the rule, right? Shayna Baszler came over, and I, I love Shayna Baszler from UFC. Uh, Jessamine Dukes, you know, she was really good. She didn't really end up turning out very well, um, even though I still think that she should be brought in, but that's my opinion. Um, yeah, it just doesn't always necessarily work out with former UFC fighters. And you got to have a really unique persona, gimmick, something that's going to connect with the audience. She's a good-looking woman. I just don't necessarily know if that's enough. I just sent you the picture that I was talking about. Did you send it in the private chat? Uh, I texted it to you. Oh, you texted it to Oh, Jesus. Where's my phone? There we go. Hold on a second. All right, guys. Let's see. What did the butster text me? Let's see here. I got it. I love the fact that he sends me a message when he sends me the picture. Here we go. Let me see if what this is. And I'm going to either call bullshit on this or not. But, I mean, you're an AEW guy, too, so you're not going to. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to set him up. It's just, this is what I've seen. This is one of the pictures I've seen. It's, it's not nice. Let's see. It's a picture of Orange Cassidy after winning the um, 21-man Battle Royal. That's pretty slim pickings, Mike. Gosh. Why you got to do this to me? I, I'm not... I'm just... I know. I'm know. trying to be a professional podcaster, reporter... Something guy, you are. You're. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to spread it around. Throw oh, you're spreading stuff something. Out all right. For us to argue over, no doubt. And next thing, I'll wake up tomorrow morning to a nasty text message that you sent me. I don't do that. That's no, not who I am. Um, in some other related wrestling news, Alexa Bliss will not be back on WWE TV anytime soon uh, because she's pregnant. Uh, in a quote, she told E! News, it was total surprise. We weren't trying at all. Uh, she said that it was a one and a million percent surprise, and uh, but they couldn't be more excited. So she's pregnant. Tay Mello is pregnant. Um, very happy for Alexa Bliss. Uh, I know that. And I, I often wonder, you know, when it comes to this, you know, they say it's a surprise. However, it might be a blessing in disguise because I don't know what WWE was really going to be doing with her. And I think not putting your life on hold and having a family is way more important than, than waiting for what's going to be happening with WWE. So very happy with her. Uh, very happy that she's expecting, once again, congratulations to Tay Mello as well. Um, nothing but joy and happiness is the most important thing in life. Alexa Bliss just seems to be a real sweet, person she does she seems like she's a really good kind-hearted person who goes along with whatever wwe has asked her to do and unfortunately sometimes she gets the raw end of the deal with booking and storylines i mean she got the she had the character the the crazy wacko 
with the swing set and the doll and all that kind of stuff, which was fine, but it really never led anywhere. You know what I mean? Because if she's putting all this time into this character and it doesn't lead anywhere, I could clearly see where somebody would be upset. Anyway. Um, did we ever talk about Night of Champions? Did we ever talk about that? Uh, no, we haven't. Well, I tell you what. Let's go ahead and let's throw Night of Champions in there just because I know a lot of people are wondering. Did you guys ever talk about that? So Night of Champions took place on May the 27th. It was in uh, Saudi Arabia. Now, I think it was really interesting because when we talk about Night of Champions, you know, the Saudi Arabian government had been shrouded in a lot of controversy with the, I believe it was the Washington Post writer Khashoggi who, um, who wrote, um, I wouldn't say disparaging things against them, um, but then he went back home, and obviously that was not a good move. And unfortunately, we found out that that he, uh, I don't want to say murder, but allegedly, um, but I think we all know what, what really happened there. I liked Night of Champions personally. Um, you saw a, a big transformation in the bloodline. So Jimmy and Jay obviously went on their own. Um, they ended up uh, turning on Roman Reigns, so they're no longer a part of that, which I thought was fantastic. You got a really big pop for Sammy and Kevin Owens. They retained. They're still the tag team champions. We saw a crowning of a new world heavyweight champion in a great tournament, in a great uh, concluding match between AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins ends up winning that with a curb stomp. Very happy for him as well. I'm really interested to see how far and how many more of these they're going to have because it was a 10-year deal. And I guess they're going to continue to fill or fulfill the rest of the contract. But um, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm a big fan of, of these uh, international things because for me, it just maybe it's just on a personal note. I just don't feel right about these. Um, I just don't. It just never sits well with me. I mean, are you on that same page? No. Uh, then the reason I say that is because they signed the contract. You honor your contract. Well, no, I'm not saying get out of the contract. I'm just saying I don't feel comfortable with the way the government and what had happened and the fact that WWE is in doing business with a government that shit went haywire on somebody. I mean, and it's not really just speculation anymore. It's it's true. Oh no, yeah, it's a lot of stuff's been proven. Um, yeah, that from from that aspect, I can totally see it. I was looking at more of a you sign ten years. Listen, you knew who you were getting in the bed with when you signed for the ten years, so you honor it, and that's just the way it is. There are some human rights. Violations, we shall say. Without, um, I by no stretch do I want to make this political, you know, better than that. But there are definitely some things going on that are maybe not the best, to put it mildly. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like um, they call it blood money. I guess you could, you could mm -hmm. look at it that way a little bit. I could see how people are not, don't fancy it. And you also look at it, the first one they had, the women. 
could only wrestle in was it t-shirts or something or another? They couldn't Correct. show any skin. Well, they're still completely covered as well. And right then now. you had the Sami Zayn issue and right. And when we start mixing in like religion and and political and it's just bad news. Nobody wins. It's yeah. gonna go to hell in no time because those are just trigger points for a lot of things. It's just never good when you mix all that stuff in together. It's going to go bad. Um, so there's that. So I want to actually kind of circle back around really quickly, not to just jump off WWE's topic here, but earlier on we talked about Nick Aldis, and Nick Aldis uh, recently gave an interview with Metro.co.uk about his factors and his decisions to eventually sign with Impact Wrestling. And you and I talked about this, and we said, you know, WWE contact him, you know, I would be shocked if they didn't or if Tony Khan didn't reach out to him. So he said this, and I quote, as far as WWE, the timing is everything. I don't want to speak into it too much, but timing is a big factor. I think everybody knows that there's a lot going on there. Who knows? He also said, I don't want to speak too much about the conversations that I did have with them. And I certainly don't want to imply or suggest that I had a choice to go somewhere specifically. That would be disingenuous and simply dishonest. It's more about what's a best option for me right now. I did need a little bit of a mental break because I did put a lot of pressure on myself. Now, Aldous would go on to admit that it was heartbreaking to see his time in NWA end. He felt like there was a lot of undone and unfinished business that he would like to have continue to uh, complete. Uh, he still wanted to be the flag bearer for at least another five years. Um, but with his wife being in Impact Wrestling, that helped restore his confidence in wrestling, and he thought might be a better option for him to go to. Now, as we all know, in November, Aldis announced his intentions were to leave the NWA after his contract had expired and also his falling out with NWA owner Billy Corgan. NWA ended up suspending him for the remainder of his contract and pulled him away from all of their pay-per-views. In April, as we know, at Impact Rebellion, Aldis returned to his old company where he held the uh, TNA World Championship before, and he is now signed under contract to Impact Wrestling. So I think you kind of touched upon some of those things. I mean, he needed a mental break. WWE probably does not provide that as far as being, you know, go, go, go. And obviously his wife being there was a big deal for him as well. So I think we've kind of kind of put a bow tie on that whole situation. Okay. Um, Kenny Omega recently did an interview and he says that he thinks the Kurt Angle is the best wrestler. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that news. Best wrestler ever. Well, Matthew Wilkinson's reporting, Kenny Omega recently did an interview, and he said Kurt Angle is the best to have ever done it in the world of wrestling. Recently, Omega responded to a social media question asking him if he would win a match between he and Kurt Angle with both of them in their peaks of their career. He would tweet by saying, I don't study myself when I want to learn. I study Kurt. He's the best for a reason. I'd take the L, and it would be one heck of a match. 
It'd be a good match. No doubt about that. It would be a hell of a good match. Now, as far as all of this, Tony Khan actually attempted to bring Kurt Angle into AEW, which he theoretically left the door open for another dream match. However, Angle has made it clear he wants to stay loyal to WWE, as he previously joked um, that if he ever get in the ring again uh, against Omega, he would ask for a $10 million payday, which clearly is never going to happen. Kudos to him, staying loyal to WWE. You don't see that too much in wrestling. You you don't, and I think it's going to be interesting, you know, uh, as time goes on. I think a lot of people are going to have more respect for Kenny Omega after his career is over, and, and Kenny gets to speak more because I feel like Kenny gets a really bad rap, and I feel like a lot of people turn on him, and Kenny is not a negative person in any regard. Um. But I think the WWE Universe is just on a big Kenny Omega fan because I think in their mind, they're tired of hearing how great he is and the Tokyo Dome. And listen, he is that great. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. You should watch those matches. And they are literally amazing. Um, and that's just the way it is. Um, there's also news breaking today that WWE has announced more dates for Roman Reigns. Now, as we previously mentioned, Roman Reigns would be taking a little bit of time off from WWE after WrestleMania. Unfortunately, things looks like they have changed. WWE has officially announced there will be 10 more appearances for the undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Now, prior to Money in the Bank, the Tribal Chief will appear on SmackDown on June 2nd in Wilkes-Barre, June 16th in Lexington, Kentucky, June 30th in London at the O2, June 17th. He'll make a rare Super Show appearance, which will be, again, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. So you're going to see a little bit more of Roman Reigns. I think Roman is really good for WWE, but I'm just really kind of questioning, where do we go? with the championship. We've talked about this at nauseum and I think it's, I think it's still kind of up in the air right now. I think a lot of people evidently think that it's still going to be Cody Rhodes, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the Cody Rhodes situation has really panned out the way fans would have liked to have seen it, but do you think eventually the hard times, if you will, of Cody Rhodes will lead him to becoming WWE champion? I hope so. We've talked about this. I've said it a thousand times. It doesn't make sense for for them to bring Cody back and put everything into him that they have to not have him become a champion. There's no logic to it. Why would you spend all of that time if you weren't going to do something big with him? Push somebody else. Yeah. Well, they're big on LA Knight. I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, Brass inside WWE and uh, Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer reporting that LA Knight, who was originally in uh, TNA, um, is very much uh, in good standing with them. And a lot of people believe that he could be uh, a guy that they push seriously as being the the top babyface of the company. Interesting. That'd be interesting. It's good. I think he is good. It'd be I think nice to have a new face around. Yeah, mix it up a little bit. Right. It's been around a while, but you know what I mean? A new face in the title picture. Man, we've talked about so many different things, all the pay-per-views, what's happening in the news today. Your hat is 
turned sideways now. I can tell you are exhausted at this point. Long um, base, Michael. We can, uh, we can, we can take it home now. Uh, anything else that you would like to mention about the world of wrestling? Anything that's on your mind right now? No, just you're good people. Don't be don't, a scumbag. Don't be a scumbag. I agree completely. All right, so the final time, you and I together, signing off for the MLW Radio Network. Uh, it's been great. It's been wonderful. It has been a great relationship. Again, thank you to Port Bauer. Thank you to Mikey Whipwreck. Thank you to Jerry Lynn. Uh, it doesn't stop. Front Row Material brand continues on. I am still here. The Butster's still here. And there's more exciting things that are going to be heading your way with the brand. So continue to stay tuned. You can follow me on social media at the Mike Freeland, T-H-E-M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. Butster, what's your Twitter handle? At GotNoof2291 at... G-O-T-N-E-W-F 2291. That is going to do it for Front Row Material this week for the butt work to get produced for the writ. I am Mike Freeland. It has been fun. We will catch you next time. My name is Mike Freeland, and if you're looking for an exciting wrestling podcast to add to your library, then look no further than the Front Row Material brand. Don't miss it. It's the Front Row Material brand brought to you by the MLW Radio Network. The rules.